This is Ty. And this is V. And this is Cause I Said So. Hey, 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 we're back. Hey, everybody. Super excited. Happy Black History Month. Yes, there's so many. First of all, why is all these um, happy so-and-so, all these different things in our month? We need to um, get rid of them. We right. Like, don't, we don't have a, like, exclusive, uh, you know, month per se. Exactly. We- and it's the shortest month of the freaking year. It's deplorable. It's deplorable. Like, like Whitney and Bobby said, we need we need Black History. We need a whole year. We that Auntie Nippy. That video, okay, is hilarious. Listen, Nork's own. <laughs> oh my God, honey, I was dying. I watched the video like five times because Every time somebody posted, I watched it exactly because they were just so toxically funny together. <laughs> like really really were um but so let's get into this right I really want to talk about things that have been on my social media feed that have just been like I can't believe these things are happening I can't believe I watched this I need to reclaim my time like what in the world is going on and y'all know exactly what we're talking about this is your, uh, I can't unsee this list. <laughs> exactly. I cannot unsee Tessica, a.k.a. Gorilla Glue Girl. I can't unsee that. My goodness. Oh, my God. I need a fan. Th- I, I cannot unsee this This 40-year-old woman who has slicked her baby hairs and ponytail, maybe not her baby hairs, her ponytail back with Gorilla Glue. Like, I'm trying, I'm really struggling with this. I can't unsee it. Sidebar, 40 where? Because sis looks a smooth 22. So I hear you. I thought that she was, you know, a younger woman. But I've been having conversations about Tessica. And I'm not going to call her Gorilla Goo Girl because I think that's just wrong. And, like, I was, um, my stylist was like, she is a 40-year-old woman. I went on her Instagram. I saw, you know, her different pictures. She is a whole ass 40. And so, like, you know, I have sister locks. I've been natural. We've been natural for a very long time. I'm not shading anyone that, you know, has a weave, does baby hair. I'm not shading anyone that does those things. But I don't understand, right, some of the products because I don't use them. And Mm -hmm. so my stylist was saying to me, and I saw the kids with this, it's like this gorilla something that they use to slick down their edges. It's not. Yes, there you go. Mm-hmm. The gorilla snot, and then she said it's also something else. It's a spray that will also, I guess, you know, make the ponytail like slick back well. I mean, whatever happens to black gel and them little things around the head, I don't know. Um, but she said, <laughs> I guess Tessica didn't have any more of the spray, right, to kind of you know slick the hair down. You know, you hit your head, you know, <laughs> what it sound like, mm-hmm. and so she used the gorilla glue spray. Ma'am, <laughs> I can't. Well, I mean, listen. Uh, she, she got a free. Um, her hair got fixed for free. She received uh twenty thousand dollars in donations on GoFundMe, and um, you know, she might have a lawsuit with Gorilla Glue. So, sis is gonna come up. Let's go back to what I can't unsee. Okay. Why would you do that? I mean, even outside of it, I can't unsee like 
her, you know, talking about it in that video with just the whole visual. I'm in my, you know, seasoned age, I'm becoming much more of a visual person. The whole visual was just crazy to me. And then we got the young lady in the hospital. She knew the white people was going to get that out of her hair. Let's stop. No. Okay. Then she got her sister in the bathroom cutting the damn ponytail off. I guess I was confused by that too, but I guess you have, you wrap the weave around the ponytail. Yeah. 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 You know, and then it looked like she got a fresh perm once the, the doctor, the black doctor, thank the Lord he was a black doctor, got, you know, the stuff out her head. It looked like she had a fresh perm. I, I just can't unsee this. So I really, to be honest, I really that she that she thought Gorilla Glue, Gorilla Snot. I really think she got them mixed up, to be honest. I don't. So I she don't, that slow? Let's just say it. She's that I'm not, slow. I'm not going to say she's slow, but I mm. think that she got it confused that girl did not get it confused she it seems as if from my recollection from the things Mm -hmm. you know i can't unsee is that she ran out of the product that wasn't gorilla's not but the spray and then since gorilla glue spray adhesive spray whatever the heck it's called didn't have this warning that you don't use it on her your hair she just said to hell with it i'm gonna try to put this on my ponytail to slick it back that is what mm-hmm. it seems like. Yeah, she said she was using got to be spray. What? Listen, I don't know anything about these products, like I said. Um, yeah, me neither. But I just can't unsee that. You know, like, I wasn't, like, tearing her down or anything in any of the comments. I tend to not do those things. I just read and laugh or whatever have you or just say, Lord, pray for these people. But I just can't unsee this. And it's definitely not going to be the end, I'm sure. I I foresee, and I bet you a dollar, she, I don't know if she's going to sue. I think she might be making more money by actually um, becoming a spokesperson for them and doing marketing for them. That's actually smarter on both of their behalf to make some coins. That actually is a smart like uh, business plan. She needs to, We need to write a business plan for Tessica and get our money so that she can now, you know, make some money off of Gorilla Glue in her unfortunate situation. <laughs> well, did you see the young man who um who did the Gorilla Glue on his uh on his lip and um tried to drink from a solo a red solo cup? I did not. Got... Yeah, he thought he thought that she was lying. So, he wanted to try it out and he he put Gorilla Glue on a red solo cup and drank from it and it the cup was stuck to his lip. Did it come did it get off? I I haven't followed up on the story, but was he black? He of course. What is wrong I'm, with our people? Not during Black History Month, y'all. Come on now. During Black History Month. The 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 buffoonery and the coonery. Tessica, you are not gonna be a black history moment for twenty twenty two or beyond. Please stop, ma'am. Please stop people. I'm just it's embarrassing. I'm listen. I can't unsee this thing with Tessica at all. Like, but I hope that sis just shaves her head, realizes that she is a beautiful woman with no hair, right? She has a, she does have nice structure in her face and Mm -hmm. just grow back her hair and let whatever the little bit of hair she had with all that stuff in it go. Please Lord, let her shave her head and just realize she's beautiful and start over whether it's a perm whether it's natural whether she want to slick it back again but she needs to let go of that hair that has been 
uh, fried, dyed, and lead to the top of her head. <laughs> I'm sorry I laughed so loud, but that was funny. <laughs> I mean, for real. Please, baby, shave your head. You are you have a beautiful face. You have great bone structure. She does. Listen, all black women that I have seen do the big chop always look beautiful. And I'm sincere. Always have looked beautiful. Tessica, please. If we can just please shave your head and start over. Don't hold on to the little bit of the hair that was left over after this. I really pray that she doesn't. I really, really do. Mm-hmm. Now, speaking of beautiful black women, I want to bring up two in particular. So one who, well, actually, both of them are kind of getting black women. Um, Lori Harvey, who is dating, you know, Nork's native son. So, um, you know, everyone is all a flitter on Twitter and Instagram, uh, talking about Lori Harvey landing, um, you know, the most eligible, uh, Hollywood bachelor. Um, so how do you feel? you know, about that? How do you feel about the relationship? A lot of people are saying, you know, well, she doesn't have a talent. Like, who is she? Like, how does she get him? I mean, I'm I'm actually here for it. I feel like, I feel like Lori is, I feel like Lori is, you know, um, you know, you're pandering. You cannot find anything to say about this young lady at all. Let's just be real. I feel like she's a black socialite. And I feel like I feel like people have an issue with the fact that she doesn't necessarily have a talent. But white women do this shit twenty four seven. They don't have no talent. That is they true. don't have anything um going for themselves. They they're born into wealth and luxury and they shop and they just look cute and they vacation and they date wealthy men. And I for one, I'm here for it. I not just like to watch them. I think they I think they're a good looking couple. So I, I hear that part of it, right? And so let's let's go back to my first thoughts. My first thought regarding their relationship is I'm just glad he was a black woman. That's number one, right? Listen, I'm not going to sit here and lie. I'm that's just the glad. Mm, yeah, I'm glad he is with a black woman. And their relationship, you know, is their relationship they share what they like. If they're happy in love, I'm happy for them, right? I, I normally... I normally do subscribe to the notion that you love them, I love them. You don't like them, I ain't fucking with them. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. In relationships with my friends or sisters. So she's not my friend. She's not my friend in my head. Whatever they want to do, I say, go for Black love is beautiful. So I'm happy, A, that he is with a Black woman. Uh, B, I just think that Lori Harvey, um, I see what you're saying about being a socialite, right? Um, but outside of that i don't know again i'm just thinking back um i'm just thinking about you know different conversations that we've had and Mm -hmm. my expectation unfortunately for most black women and i gotta check that too like listen i'm evolving is that we be educated beautiful classy you know and so that is my standard and so yeah i don't know if she don't think that she's those things i don't know that she's educated I don't know that she is classy. And so I see those two things as synonyms, like in this same aura or area. I, unfortunately, what the media has presented to me is that this young woman has been with multiple celebrity athlete 
rich men. Now, I think to your point about white women, that definitely is the case. We know that's history, but I don't see them in the media like I'm seeing this young lady. So I don't necessarily know, you know, who they've been with intimately. Unfortunately, I can kind of say who this woman has been with intimately, possibly. That's not my business to know. But who is she supposed to date? Listen, she can date whoever she likes. I just don't want to see it all the time. And and in the <laughs> like she to me is like um who was I watching? I, you know, I read the shade room, it's hilarious and the Jasmine brand. And so they were talking about who would Alexis Sky, I think. I don't know the girl's name. Um, mm-hmm. she was on Love and Hip Hop New York, and they were like, Oh, who's her new boyfriend now? You know, they're always like, Oh, this girl would another do every other month, right? And mm-hmm. so so is Lori Harvey. What's the difference? It's definitely something that I see per being perpetuated in the media. So for me, I think that maybe she's not being called um, a hoe because she's a lighter skinned woman, right? She's Steve Harvey's stepdaughter because that ain't his real daughter, right? I don't know. And quite frankly, despite having this opinion that you've now asked me about, I don't care, nor do I think about it. <laughs> but when you ask me, right, I'm like, hmm. But listen, they're young, in love, good luck, and God bless. He will be with another white woman in a couple months. Well, I will say that colorism is alive and well. Mm-hmm. But I feel like her and Alexis Sky are like, like um, yeah, I don't think she's like, I don't think Laura Harvey's like light skin per se. Light brown? Like, yeah, I feel like she's like brown skin. I don't know. Maybe it can be the contour or the makeup that she's using. I couldn't tell you. Uh, but listen, they happy in love. Go for it, sis. I'm glad he was a black woman. And mm-hmm. I'm not checking for her. I wish her well. <laughs> All right. So um, our next beautiful black woman. <laughs> what a, how are you, like, what do you think about, um, I believe it's Chloe that we're talking about. Chloe Bailey. What do you um, think about Chloe? I mean, okay, so <laughs> when I when the person I, starts a conversation or the answer with "I mean," y'all know what that means. But I go ahead now. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I feel like Chloe know what she's doing, and the crocodile tears didn't sway me much. <laughs> now, what was she crying about? She was crying because she was like, you know, she hadn't really. Um, loved herself and she felt like um, you know people were that she was getting both positive and negative attention for like the things that she was posting okay but so you know a little bit of backstory her and her sister had shared an Instagram account and then they had wanted to um, you know she had wanted to separate from her sister's Instagram account and as soon as she separated from her sister's Instagram account it went from like Disney princess to Mm, like for the streets (laughs) It went from Disney Princess to like only fans, chef. And, uh, <laughs> That's worse. What are our babies doing? I mean, you know what? Here's the thing. She's beautiful. She is absolutely gorgeous. Her and her, her sister are gorgeous young women. I don't necessarily know her age demographic, right? But I think that what it seems as if when you are a Disney 20s. star, 20s, you're a Disney star, like they keep you in a box. And she out that box, baby. She twerked that box down to the ground. Okay. Now yeah, she, she killed a little busted challenge. I'm not gonna say she did. She really did. She However, killed the- 
how the little silhouette challenge, all of it. I didn't. I only. I. I think I made. I think after the busted challenge, I was just done with it. But um, how? I, I guess you know that Disney brand still is lingering with her, and I think you know like her sister is now you know filming for the Little Mermaid, and maybe this is her time to get attention from her sister. Let's just be real. It could be. I don't know, but it very well could be or her. They're, they're branding and branching out in separate ways so maybe her sister is maintaining that Disney brand where she just like this is me and I'm going to do the busted challenge and then I'm going to you know play the piano sing acapella you know and do all these different things and so it just was a lot very quickly for me I guess based on my perception of who they were but I mean she deserves to discover who she is just be safe okay love please just be safe be Be wary of these people she has been in the industry for a while she probably knows more than i do let's be honest but you know i just wish for her to be safe and just you know you can be sexy without being sexualized and i think that's that's Mm. something you learn that doesn't just happen and maybe she's learning that now Mm, that's a good one you can be sexy without being uh over sexualized yeah, like- absolutely like you yeah, no way no ma'am and speaking of brands i know we wanted to uh highlight a uh black owned business so yeah. can you share uh the business that we're highlighting absolutely so you know unfortunately covid has uh really not helped with shopping online for me and so one boutique that I found, I'm not sure how I found this boutique. It's an online boutique. It's based out of Atlanta, Georgia. But I found this boutique that is black owned, um, black women own it called J Brooks Boutique. And y'all, when I tell you that I have purchased multiple things from J Brooks Boutique, it's ridiculous. They have really cute clothing um, for all sizes, I want to say they go up to, I don't know if they do like number sizes. I know I've seen this one dress that I purchased went up to like a three X. Um, I, what did I get recently? I got this really cute halter dress. They had this long denim jean jacket that I really, really wanted. I think it was like $89. The prices are very, very reasonable and they have really cute things. So please Jay Brooks boutique out of Atlanta, Georgia. And so because you are our listeners and I am a very faithful um, customer of Jay Brooks Boutique, they are going to give all of our listeners 15% off using the code BALSY for all of their regular price merchandise from now through March. So please go check out their website, Jay Brooks Boutique using the code BALSY for 15% off their regular price purchase. Thank me later, please. Let me know what you got so we can, you know, be sharing these cute outfits. Yes, yes. Let me go on over here to the Jay Brooks boutique. Get me a couple of items. So, have you watched Malcolm and Marie? I have not. I did watch the trailer, but it didn't appeal to me. I don't think I'm going to be watching it. Oh my goodness. So uh Blair and I watched it the other night. Okay, how was it? I thought it was good. It was uncomfortable. Mm. <laughs> but I thought that the, I thought that the I thought that the cinematography was amazing. I thought that 
Um, you know, the acting was really good. I feel like uh, John David Washington really gets a bad rep um, for his acting. Some people were saying like... They, really? Yeah, some people were saying they felt like he overacts. I enjoy... Haters. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed his acting. Um, I think he's an attractive looking man. Um, and I just like watching him on screen. Zendaya, I felt like killed it and, and I feel like she needs all of her things um, that's another uh, Disney princess who has broken out of the mold um, but yeah I mean I, I enjoyed it but it definitely was uncomfortable because it's literally a, like a two hour argument <laughs> in black and white so a- that's the reason why I, I think I wasn't really interested in it, it didn't, you know, gravitate towards my, it, it didn't move me because I don't know if I want to see, you know, black couples arguing for two hours during Black History Month, you know, in the month of black love. So that's why I really just was like, mm, no, I'm not watching this. But again, it just wasn't something I was like, oh, this might be good. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-mm. And I won't be watching it at all. I'm sorry, Malcolm and Marie. Y'all not, I'm not watching it at all. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, I liked it, though. I mm-hmm. liked it. Um, and only because of, like, the the whole way it was shot. And then I just felt like they, they acted their faces off. Um, and I felt like it definitely made me feel things. You know, it was uncomfortable to watch. Um, but I felt everything that they were saying. Um, and I felt it was real and relatable, and that it wasn't just like your normal cookie cutter like relationship movie. I got you. I understand. It's like it was a real relationship, right? Yeah. On film, I hear you. I mean, I think that I enjoy both actors, um, but still, I don't. I'm not gonna watch it. I'm not. I mean, I would say I would DVR for the ratings, but it's Netflix. Um, but no, I don't. It's not for me. I'm sorry, y'all. But so this is a question. Um, not to move from them. We can go back. Have you been watching The Black Bachelor? Do you watch The Bachelor? Yeah, so I don't watch The Bachelor. That's not something that I watch or The Bachelorette. I don't watch but, it either. But Blair watches um, typically. And so because it, the guy was black, mm-hmm. I was like, all right, I'm going to watch it because he's black. And so I've been tuned in now every week. Well, I have not watched it at all. I'm only tuned in to Demetria Lucas's comments. <laughs> I love her. Shout out to Demetria L. Lucas from Ratchet and Respectable Podcast. That's the only thing that I have read about this man. I can't watch him either. I can't watch Langs on TV. It's just not going to happen. Oh, I can't do it. <laughs> so it, it has definitely been interesting. Like the other week he sent home um, the Ethiopian woman who my gosh, she was gorgeous. Um, but Every time he goes on a date with somebody that's not black, I cringe. I'm like, ah, come on. Come on. What did he say? Apparently, you know, that he doesn't, he has, he's biracial. Right. He doesn't see color or some bullshit, he said. How could he not have? But you know what? Like, here's the thing, right? You know, as um, we struggle with being parents and being moms, um, our children's lives are different than our lives. And so, you know, my son, 
may not see color based on where he goes to school and lives, he probably only really knows about it and understands because we talked to him about it. So it's very plausible that he does not because maybe it was never conversations had in his home. Um, at some point, you know, it, it does have to be a conversation, but it's very plausible that he grew up, right, um, in a town that was primarily white. You know, his mom was white. His dad, I think, was black. Maybe his dad wasn't around. Like, I don't really know his story, right? Mm-hmm. But I think this also, like, this, this, you know, not knowing or not seeing race or growing up, you know, an environment that was primarily white when you may have been the only black or brown face is something that we'll definitely be talking about later as well um, with Dr. Joy as it pertains to her dissertation. So I would be interested to know, like, if he joined a white fraternity. I bet you he did. Mm, he might have and you know that's going to be a a great conversation that we're going to have later on uh, when Dr. Joy joins us and we're going to be talking about uh, sisterhood and what it means to us as well as you know what it means to other people especially those who chose not to join uh, Black Greek letter organizations but before we get into that Here's a word from our sponsor today, Jay Brooks. Hi, this is Jayla from Jay Brooks Boutique. We would like to offer you 15% off of our regular price items through March using code BOSSY on our website at checkout. Again, that code is BOSSY, B-O-S-S-Y. Hey. Hey, can you hear me? I can. Yay. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Isn't technology great when it works? Technology is wonderful because, you know, in my mind, I'm like, how is this going to work? She's going to send me some sort of thing. (laughs) So this is cool. This is very cool. Um, And it actually helps me to figure out how I have one thing I need to get done, like a a podcasty type of thing. I don't know what type of platform to use. So I'm excited. This is great. Absolutely. Use platform. Yes. Platform. Use anchor. (laughs) Use anchor. Yes. you so uh the one drawback about anchor is that um you know how like we kind of like laugh and kiki and you might like um like kind of interrupt each other a little bit like add it in a point mm-hmm. when when we do that it it uh it cuts like the audio in and out okay okay yeah so we just kind of have to make sure that we listen for that like pause or when people really stop speaking so that um, it does not make the audio choppy. Okay, that makes sense. So you have to kind of implement your listening skills um, in order to do this. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, that's easy. So how are you? Were you on the meeting? I was, I was (laughs) in a lengthy (laughs) session. About an hour and a half. I said, what is going on, dear Jesus? They, what? So they just don't like um, Madam Bass like that? Yes. <laughs> like so that for real? They, they don't. Um, there's a lot, of, a lot of folks who don't. And um, what makes it even more interesting, so uh, uh, Soror sent me, and I'm going to send it to you because uh, mm-hmm. I can send it to you in confidence, but she sent me um, video footage from the, <laughs> that's crazy, right? But video footage from the community service meeting the other day. And it was, oh my God, I was on it. She took video. <laughs> yes. Let me tell you, I was so embarrassed because we had younger sorors and newer sorors 
on the mean. Now I've been in AKA for what, like almost fourteen, almost going on fifteen years. Yes. So you know, I've I've seen some things, but the level of disrespect from swords that I respected, like Sword Judy, was wooing. Yeah, because well, I think to be fair, I think um, Madam Basilisk has also done some things and said some things a bit, you know, mm-hmm. harshly herself. So mm. that doesn't um, that doesn't help the situation uh, at all. So I think at this point now it's volatile. Mm-hmm. Oh, it absolutely is volatile. Ooh, Jesus! And I had said to Sword Natalie like. Someone needs to intervene, like like a golden soror, a charter member, somebody. (laughs) Pull and rank. (laughs) Girl, I think what's going to have to happen, I think that's why having a member at large is so important right now. Mm -hmm. Um, Because Hazel, at this point now, who's who's been elected to the position. And that's great, too. Yes. (laughs) Yes. She's she's been instrumental in... uh, helping us to fix some things in our chapter um, mm-hmm. in Ad Upsilon. So um, I'm excited to see how she'll be able to help the situation. She's also very fair. Um, mm-hmm. Also is a, if she needs to tell you like it is from an objective perspective, she also will do that too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and she's been, a, she's, you know, she was in Ada Omega Omega before she came to Beta Alpha Omega. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're familiar. So, you know, you got to have your, your, your uh, tough skin to be there mm-hmm. and tell you that so um so i'm looking forward to it because i think it'll help some of what's going on right now because we, we, we need some mediation we need some um you know someone to look at multiple perspectives hi ladies hello hello hello, hello. i was i just got in i went and got my eyebrows like you know i gotta catch up on my self-care yeah after being down and out yeah, yeah. <laughs> wait speaking of which Mm-hmm. How are you all feeling? Is everyone all good? Is everyone feeling healthy at this point? I'll let Ty go first. I'll go help you. I'll let Ty go first. Mm. I am. I feel fine. Well, yeah, I am. Um, I feel like I still have some lingering things. Like the fatigue, thankfully, is pretty much gone. I think I struggle with the fatigue the most. Okay. Um, so everything else to me is minor. But, um, my throat was hurting. I was like, am I having chest pains? I was um, <laughs> messaging my doctor back and forth. But she's that is actually something that people have complained of after having had COVID. Yeah. And then um, I'm not as sharp as I was. Like, my brain is still a little cloudy. But that's about it. Other than that, I'm fine. So back to doing all That's a normal um uh, after effect too. I've I've read that. I didn't understand that until I, I kind of felt a little bit of that. But when I read it, I was like, okay, this makes mm-hmm. sense. Your brain will be cloudy and you'll be forgetful about things. Apparently it's a couple weeks. It can be six weeks afterwards, but it's a it's a after effect. Wow. Yeah. Six mm-hmm. weeks. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. So those are just the things that I kind of still have lingering. And even the sore throat isn't really okay. bothering me. Um but the fatigue at first, I was excuse me, still pretty tired that first week. Um, so, but I'm I'm feeling a lot better. Thank God, because I, I thank you. Listen, <sighs> I was so worried. I'm like everyone all of a sudden, like that was just a lot. Um, and yeah. and and my concern, um, 
being transparent, my concern was like, okay, um, how were you all feeling about about the way you possibly contracted it or did contract it, right? Because um, yeah. I'm like, be, uh, 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 listen, I was pissed. <laughs> okay, and, and and I appreciate you all for being so gracious in the way that you handled it. Um, I was like, oh, we mm-hmm. left Irvington and Neptune at home. This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> we're growing you you say uh, nep- you, you know say neptune what? but let's be clear i was born and spent most of my life in newark and <laughs> the surrounding newark area this is also true the, the beginning yeah. parts of my life um, okay <laughs> i didn't get to neptune until eighth grade okay all right so yeah. so you mm-hmm. left Essex county where <laughs> it was um it, your reactions i was like come on bergen and Huntington county Wars. come on upper essex come on um soon to be links and you know all that good stuff because i i had i who's gonna be a link, when be y'all a link? i'm just saying y'all are moving towards that area you're moving that way right oh, I, ain't play, I ain't gonna be i'm not joining the link. i think you would join links you would I cannot be joining. You all these never said, you said before that you would never join Jack and Jill, and are you Jack that and is Jill? true. And you're Jack, if you're Jack and Jill I, now too. If I, no, I am hoping to, you know, become a Jack and Jill mom. If I am a Jack and Jill mom, I ain't going. On I ain't going front. I always said I wanted to join these things after reading our kind of people when I was in college. Yeah, <laughs> that was a good book. <laughs> I always yeah, wanted to be a part of the Black like Elite. Book. I ain't going for it. Listen, I mean, it, it, it's it's something to aspire to. It has its pros and cons, definitely. Um, you know, my line sister always says, she's like, why haven't you made this movie yet? My line sister is Jack and Jill. She is a link. She is active in her chapter. Um, she's looking to become a girlfriend. Like, it's a lot going on. Um, what is so a girlfriend? A girlfriend is yet another elite organization for um, Black women. It's akin to the boule. Yeah, got you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, listen, I cannot do all these things. First of all, they're expensive, and it's a yes. lot of time. Like I just, I can't. You know, I, I, you know what? I'm not. That's really what it comes down to. I can't. Yes. Do, I can do it. Yeah, I can't. I I can do yeah. it, but I'm not willing. To. So maybe maybe we could talk a little bit life. about those things too, because they're all sisterhood I mean, listen, things, right? Uh, yes. We might be on this call for too long. Let's just be really <laughs> right. Let's keep these questions because I feel like. Some other things, just as the conversation persists, some other stuff will come out. So let's just, um, because we got we got ten good or eight good questions. So like, let's just okay, yeah. sure. I wanted to say one last thing about yes. Dawn, and so I at first I you know what I was honestly I was never mad at Dawn. I was mad at myself. Okay, right. Because, you know, I was mad at myself. I felt bad that I was, I had this great idea to do, you know, this bubble with Swords on Founders Day. So I felt mad at myself and more upset my, with myself than Dawn for mm-hmm. the most part. Um, and grateful that my family yeah. hadn't gotten it. Had my family gotten it, we would have had a fucking problem. Where's Bond? Yeah. Right? But because they didn't, I felt, you know, a little bit, especially like the kids, yeah. right? We, I would have had it would have been a real fucking problem but because they did not I just felt bad like you know I should not have gone because I, I remember I wasn't going to be going right, yes. right I had the Founders Day miracle yeah. so I should have just stayed my ass home so I felt bad um, in that sense but I mean Dawn should have just stayed like you had a cough lady what are you come that's, on, why I had it. that's why I was pissed at her because she she said to us that 
you know, she wasn't feeling well, but she thought it was just because she didn't wear her jacket or whatever. And you, you wasn't feeling well and you still came mm-hmm. knowing that you had yeah. COVID. And that's why I was pissed. And then I also was like, all right, well, I should have never, you know, you wanted to go outside and these are the consequences. So then I was mad at myself too. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just a lesson in, you know, in all honesty, not being able to go out in large groups like that. Um. Yeah, pretty much. Because it's not like I have, I've been right. out all summer. Exactly. exactly. But, you know, but, but it's we also- went to whole other countries and did not get to that's true. I, I went to Puerto Rico for a week and did, and did not contract it. But I think, but no. I, honestly, I think it's, it's it's still a message or still a lesson in like collective responsibility, right? So you know your body mm-hmm. as a woman, first of all, you know your body. Um, second of mm-hmm. all, we already know what we're dealing with in terms of a global pandemic, right? So if you, if under normal circumstances, if you like, if you had a tickle in your throat or something like that, you might be, still be cautious and stay home. But like, eat, knowing where we are now, you know that a tickle in your throat is not, it could be anything. So you have to stay home because you have to protect other people. Like, I hear you on one thing to go out, but and that's the selfish piece. And I get it, not in selfish in the bad way, but just like, this is the part that I want to do. But if you feel like that, it's better to be safe than sorry. So you got to bow out and be like, listen, I don't feel well. And this is what it is. And I'd rather stay home and it not be than to go and it actually is. Yeah. And we always expected that. Because yeah. I know she was like, that she didn't necessarily want to stay home because she had said yes and she knew that there was a financial commitment. But told us, we all would have been right. Be fine. That is an extra $60. We all would have been okay. But, we yeah. we would have been fine. Right. No worries. You know. So, yeah, don't I can't go out with you again. I'm sorry. <laughs> right. To be honest. right. Um, so, but and, and and I think that she did feel bad, you know, and I, I hope that her kids feel better. I hope she got yeah. tested again, uh, because she definitely is yes. a carrier, yeah. Um, but that's that. I, I, I definitely felt bad, and I wasn't upset with her, I was more upset with myself. But I hear what you're saying about being yeah. self aware and just yeah. thinking, right? Like, it's yep. a pandemic, these are some of the yes. symptoms. Yes, yeah, this is what we have to do. Like mm-hmm. everything is different at this point. Everything. So again, if you mm-hmm. if, if if we weren't in COVID, if you had a tickle in your throat or one of your kids was sick, should be you were going to stay home because your son, you didn't have someone to take care of your son, right? She mm-hmm. she has already said her son had it and she needed to get tested. So right. that was my thing. I'm like, all right, well, if you knew he already had it, why did you come out? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because ha- had we been yeah. other people, that would have been a um an altercation. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Michelle. So our pro fight. I'm talking to our pro fight. She's gonna say, "So we when we fight, word." <laughs> That's what Michelle said. Word. I did not want to tell Michelle. Word. I promise you, I did not. You told her because I ain't even tell her. No, I know. You I told her not. it was a story. Let me see. That's all. Let you me go look at this deck now. You know, I, 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 been, I might have been. You know, you told this back. Hold on. Let me see. <laughs> no, I did not text her this. I'm telling you. I didn't. I intentionally did not tell her. I did not. Elaine must have told her because I ain't Somebody told her because I didn't say. I did not. I, I mean, and that's the interesting too, right? Like, I'm hesitant in telling people, right? So, like, it's weird. 
Because people also act really funny when they find that you've had it. Yeah. They do. I remember. I don't know, because they think it's like going to jump off on them and they're going to automatically get it. Like, I don't, I don't know where that comes from. I remember getting in line to, um, to get tested after I had COVID and I was Mm -hmm. on the phone and I was telling my cousin's girlfriend, I was like, well, you know, um, this is my first time getting tested since I've had it. Honey, this woman looked at me Mm -hmm. like I was the antichrist. And like slid smooth away from me. I'm like, ma'am, you're about to lose your place in this line to get tested because I've already <laughs> had it. These people are your concern. They're trying to figure out if they do have it. I'm good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but she, I'm yeah. telling you, she moved away from me. Like, like I don't know. Like literally, like I was any first. I just it was just like, ma'am, it, I, I am not the concern here. You might be more detrimental to anybody else in this line, but. Yeah, people, it's, I don't know, they think that because there's so much we don't know about it too. Can you catch it again? Could it still be in your system? Mm-hmm. Could you breathe on me and now I got it? Like, you know, so. Yeah. I mean, I know that that's not true primarily, right? Because as soon as I came out of the quarantine, though, I still have been kind of cautious, like around my family eating yeah. off me and the like. Mm-hmm. They are fine. They are. So. Yeah, my family did the mm-hmm. same thing because we celebrated my, um, my aunt's uh, 60th birthday we did like a drive-by for mm-hmm. her for her day mm-hmm. and um we all like went bowling but i said to them like because we were supposed to go to top golf which was outside and the planner's mm-hmm. like i don't know if y'all want to be like going bowling and y'all gonna be indoors and, blah, blah, blah. and she was like no you know it's um they installed like this ventilating system and it's like separate and you got your things on and everybody has to wear a mask inside so i was like all right and then I said, well, you know, I did catch it and I'm not contagious anymore. You know, I'm out of my quarantine. Everything. Blair didn't go because this was during his quarantine period. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I had told my uh, brother's fiance, she kind of like put her mask back on. <laughs> she, was- she, needed you, child. she didn't have her mask on while she was eating. And um, she put her mask back on when I told her, mind you, I had on my mask. <laughs> I just mm-hmm. took no, I ain't say nothing to her, but I just like, I made a mental note in my head, like, don't tell about you guys, COVID. Right, like, heard you, sis, I see your response. I'm just going to go ahead and keep this to myself at this point. <laughs> yep. mm-hmm. All right, y'all ready to get started? See. See. Just a reminder, V, um, like I was saying to uh, Sora Joy, um, we have, we can't, uh, like, cut each other off and stuff. When we- I know. I'm gonna try hard. I know it's very hard. It's hard for me. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm gonna try really, really hard. Um, but I'm ready. I did want to ask this. Did so? Okay. Um, let's just get on the same page in terms of how candid we want to. It's public, so I wouldn't be too, too correct. Right. Okay. Uh, I I mean, I just want to make sure we're all on the same page with that as well. Um, Okay. Works for me. Makes sense to me. So we like to be um, formative, but we also like to be funny and have a good time. Okay. I'm drinking wine. Feel free, you know, to oh, partake. Okay. <laughs> yes. I put my sangria in the freezer. I'm going to go get it. Okay. Well, shoot, now, it technical question, too. Do you, in terms of sound, do you think it's better for me to put my AirPods in for clarity or what? No. Don't. No. Okay. Do not. Yeah. We had um, last month, Reggie. I guess uh in January and he had on the AirPods and it caused an audio nightmare. That's what I think. I just want to make sure. Just want to make sure. Okay, perfect. So I will not put them in. 
All right, cool, cool, cool. All right, so the first thing that we're going to lead in with, and don't worry about like intros and outros already recorded those things. Okay. I'm going to mm-hmm. lead in um talking about um like just like some hot topics for like 10 minutes, maybe like five minutes, five, eight minutes. Oh, um and then we will um uh, introduce you. No, no, no. I'm in the podcast. You can't come in here. Close my door, please. Okay, no problem. Thank you. Chad, I'm sorry. I thought it was a mute on here, but there's not. <laughs> no, no mute. No, it's live enough for the caller. Nope. nope. All right. Oh, Ty, you know what I was actually going to say and or suggest? Um, do you want to just talk about the hot topics later and then edit that back in just so we can get into the conversation? What do you think? Yeah, we could do that. Okay. Because we might be on here for <laughs> a while. <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to take up all of y'all Friday, uh, Saturday. I'm thinking it's Friday. No, these are some questions, though. Like, when I saw the list, I was like, ooh, okay. All right. I'm start introduction. Um, and and what is, do you want me to say your official title at Georgian Court or no? Um, no. Okay, good. good. We are so excited for our special guest today. We have with us Dr. Joy Smith, and she's going to be talking to us about an extra special topic to uh, both uh, V and my heart, and to her heart as well. We're going to be talking about sisterhood today. Um, You know, we're all members of Alpha, Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated, and so we're going to be talking about how essential is sisterhood sisterhood is essential v how do you feel about sisterhood i have to answer their first question for real <laughs> you have to. Oh. no 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 I, I listen i'm the funny one so i have to ask so i mean things. we've been members oh. of this organization now for 14 years Wow. wow. Let me do the math. You don't have to go to my calculator. It's going on 14, right? Yeah. Yep. yep. It's, it'll be 14 this year. Yep. So, yeah. Oh, my gosh. We're yes. seasoned. This is out of order. I mean, I'm done with this. We still look good, though. Well, you are so seasoned because once you get over 10 years, they call you old school, allegedly. So, you know, you are old school plus four. Yeah. No way. Yeah. I can't even deal with that. Never old school to our uh, big sisters. <laughs> You're never old school to your big sister. Let's be clear about that. No. So I'm going to answer your question. Let me go back. Let me get back to it. Let me, let me um, be a professional. Um, but so what is sisterhood to me? You know what? I think that sisterhood is a feeling, right? And so I think about it um, from this standpoint. It's in our minds, it's in our hearts, it's in our souls, right? And so I got to stop saying right too, Todd. Check me on that. Um, but I, it's a feeling. It is, you know, the feeling I have that I'm able to have a conversation like this with sisters, right? It's the ability to lean on a sister for anything that I need and feel comfortable leaning on that sister um, for bigging me up when I don't even big myself up. You know, that's sisterhood. Sisterhood is, you know, pre, um, 
pre-kids making sure that my key is in the mailbox for my sister to come to my house right that that's yeah. sincerely right sister <laughs> but, but that's sisterhood sisterhood like pre after kids is all right you need to go on a date night you know drop the baby off or whatever right you going on vacation we gotta figure it out whatever so it's those things but i think it also is um just support just love and this wrapped all in this um commonality right with the organization that we're members of um, with that foundational, these are the purposes of the organization that as professionals, we are passionate about, you know, we're pushing for within our community. So those philanthropic things that our organization stands for um, and works towards and strives and does things in, I think really foundationally is also a part of the sisterhood. But for me, it really is that feeling of, you know, connection whether it be constant, you know, or because we were, you know, talking a little bit before, you have different seasons and different phases in your life. But that sisterhood, um, let's say you've been Mm -hmm. out of the loop for a while, you still can jump back into the sisterhood, kind of almost like, you know, you're still, you know, that Neo in the organization, because they're gonna put you to work. They're gonna love on you, right? They're gonna push you, they're gonna pull you. So I feel like it really is that mind, heart, and soul feeling. For lack of better words. Dr. Joy, I know you you've done a lot. First of all, you are, since we're saying seasoned, you are a seasoned <laughs> store as well. Uh more seasoned than us. We won't we won't say how many years unless you want to. <laughs> um, but you know, you've been around the block and not just uh, within Alpha Kappa Alpha, but in, you know, in your church, you're very active in your church and in ministries. And so you have your sisters in Christ. Um, and then, mm. you know, you have your, your sisters in uh, academia, you know, people that you've gone through this doctoral journey with um, and professors and, and, and women that you work with. So I really want to know, you know, what is, what is sisterhood to you, Dr. Joy? You know, it's interesting that you say that um, because a lot of times when we think about sisterhood, we think of it either biologically or within our community, we think about it in terms of um, sorority life. Um, And so I'm glad you mentioned all these other areas where sisterhood happens. Now, I am going to say, yes, I am seasoned when it comes to Alpha Kappa Alpha. We actually will be 20 um, this year. So it's a milestone year. Um, And so the fact that we're even having this conversation about sisterhood right now um, it's very interesting. Um, and you're right. You know, I do have sisters when it comes to ministry, when it comes to um, academia, when it comes to your friendships and what those look like, because we have, you know, we call our friends, our sisters. Um, but in the context, um, I'm kind of going to keep it closer to sorority life. Um, but sisterhood is it's an action. Right. It's, it's, it's an action. It's, it's mm-hmm. a feeling, too. But how do you respond to it? Because there are times um, we have feel good moments. Right. And that's the majority of our experience. But what does sisterhood look like when you're not in the feel good moments? Right. And so when your sister has to keep you accountable or has to check you on something. And so that sisterhood, too, to me, being able to say those things to you in love um, from a genuine place, um, from wanting you to be better because of your care and concern for that particular woman. Um you know, it's also, you know, not to be cliche, but it really is the the good times and the bad. It is the, um, sis, let me check you on what you got on, right? Because I want to make sure that you're properly represented in the streets pre-COVID, right? Pre-COVID, even Facts. right now still, um, you still have that accountability piece to it too. Um, it is someone who 
may not have the same experience as you, but respects what's happening with you and will support you. Um, and I say that, I think about um, when I was writing my dissertation, we were, there were three um, women. And sometimes we can talk about sisterhood as along the lines of even race um, and gender, because we use the word sister in our community, but we don't use it for those outside of, or do we? It depends on who you are and how you grew up. Um, but I remember when I was writing my dissertation, there were three of us um, that were um, working at the same time. We were at three different stages of the process, but we were holding each other accountable for it. So we're not doing the same thing. Our research was not the same. We weren't even the same programs. Um, but it was this, we had this commonality. We understand the dynamic of what it means to be in this space. Um, and, you know, we helped each other through that particular piece. So, you know, it, it is that. It's the action. It is the um, accountability. It is the growing together. Right. That's the other part, too. Like you got to grow together for sisterhood to stand itself. Um, and it's not something that happens automatically. Um, and I'm sure we'll probably get to this later, but I'm going to say it now. A lot of times when it comes to Greek letter organizations um, and black stories in particular, um, there's this notion that it's automatically you have this sisterhood. No, but it requires work. No matter how you get to the point of sisterhood, it requires work. Right. And so are you willing to put in that piece? For me, the desire um, the willingness to go the long haul with it is also a part of it. So to me, it's completely action. It completely, completely is action for me. So Ty, what then is sisterhood to and for you? Mm-hmm. So when, you know, we were doing our, our planning and, and you pose these questions, um, I really was thinking hard about it. And to me, I just feel like sisterhood is like a net. I feel like it's a net of love. Um, You know, it's there to catch you. When I think about all of the, you know, the moments, um, important moments that I've had in my life, I, you know, since we've become line sisters, there has not been a moment when you have not been there. You know what I mean? So when I think about um, just the love, you know, that I've received um, since I, I've become a member, it, it has been astounding. Like There have been like some, you know, some not great moments, but for the most part, I just feel like sisterhood is love. Sisterhood is uh, support, like you said, um, but sisterhood is a a verb and it is really um showing up for the people that you love and that you care about um and and being there for them and also you know just loving up on them and it's needed it's very much so needed I think it's definitely needed and I wanted to also kind of expound on something that joy was saying and i'm so happy that joy is here right because she also was bringing in this academic piece (laughs) that also gets you to thinking in different ways about sisterhood right because sisterhood definitely is fundamentally a relationship and so we automatically think about it as it relates to our sorority but you are correct right i think about the sisterhood that i've built with other women at work right um you know moms that I met, you know, and women I met in high school. So I think it's fundamentally a relationship and you both are correct in saying that for me, it's a feeling that obviously 
I think when I think back to what I said, because I ain't pre-planned for this, y'all. I do this organically. I, I ain't even think about it. Yes. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with it being organic. Go straight forward. There's nothing wrong with it. Let's go. So, but I think that feeling, right, becomes this actionable item. And in order for this relationship to be sustained, I got to feed it. Right. And so I'm feeding it with love. I'm feeding it with action. I'm feeding it with saying, okay, um, what you got on? Where we, where we going again? What you got on? Let me see your outfit. Yes. Oh, let's coordinate. Right. It's, it's all of those things. It's like, okay, so did you register for this? What did some of the workshops you're interested in? Or, you know, we got to, we got to practice the stroll. Listen, don't let me go to these events without practicing the stroll anymore. So I am just wait, wait, right wait, time out. Okay. Ty, how bad is it though? Cause she, she definitely brought it up. So how, how bad is it? How bad is, uh, how bad is it when, when V doesn't uh, practice her stroll before she goes to something? Oh man. She, she misses all the moves. Oh, and, she, oh Lord. and you don't see the ace. So she got right. the front. No, first of all, <laughs> not all of the moves. You better get out of here. But I'm telling you, I need the practice. Listen, you got to yes, know. You, you got to know these things. And that's where sisterhood kicks <laughs> in, right? Because even if you don't know them or you forget about them, this is where Ty comes in like, sis, we need to make sure we, yes, we need me to, to make the sure corner. this happens. It, it, it goes back to this accountability piece of it. So it's 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 all the above. I think it's everything that we talked about. So it's all these pieces and they show up differently in every sister relationship that we have. I think that's a great point, right? It, it shows up differently too. And here's a good segue um, because one thing you mentioned is that some people in Greek letter organization, Black Greek letter organizations, may feel as if membership in that organization is like an automatic, these are my mm-hmm. friends, we're besties. But we know and we were taught that's not true. Right. Right. Um, I, so, I guess let's go back, let's step back. So, do you think, or did you think that when you joined the organization, the sorority, that you were going to have outside of, you know, your line sisters, maybe your chapter, this fosterhood or, you know, automatic friends from other sorors that you may have met? Yes, and boy, was I wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Ty, you got to go for it. You, you got to. Okay. Yes, you got you sure to talk do. about your side of the story, Ty. Come on. So, okay. Um, oh, my God. Because that was an emphatic, like, boy, was I wrong. That wasn't like a, no. it was like, no, for real, mm-hmm. I was totally wrong. So you have to, you have to shed light on that just because there's someone else who probably shares your experience. Oh, man. Okay. Um, all right. So for the, ah, I'm going to edit this out because I don't want to have this conversation. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to have this conversation publicly. This is going to be because of like, you know, because the grad versus undergrad. I don't, I don't, I'm sorry. I don't think that you should. I think that you should, I think that you should be honest, but discreet, if that's, if that's, I agree. if that's plausible, right? I, I honestly, I think that you should say, you know, for, you know, the way you came in, your experience, you were th- thinking that you were going to have this experience, but because of the way you came in, it, you didn't. I think that you should be honest and candid, but three, if that makes All sense. All right. So then let me put myself back yeah. in so I can chop it up the way it needs to be chopped. 
All right. Okay. In three, two, one. Well, because, you know, to be honest, uh, Shavis and I, we although we both went to the same uh, undergraduate institution, um, you know, the chapter at the school was inactive at the time. And it, it had been inactive uh, even before, you know, I got there. I think even before, you know, Shavis had gotten there. Um, Definitely yeah. Was. And so... I mean, it was inactive since 99, to be honest. I did my research, so I knew all about it. But um, it, it it was not a great um, experience because, well, it was great when we first became members. And then it was always around, um, you know, our big sisters and, you know, the family that we built and the people who knew us within, um, you know, the Divine Nine. Um, the people that we had built relationships with when we were pursuing membership. And so, you know, that was all great. But when we would not be within our familial bubble, if you will, mm -hmm. right? Um, the embrace was not the same when you, you know, greet and meet uh, a soror and, you know, you have Omega at the end of your, uh, of your chapter. When they so it was like that cousin from your um, mom's side of the family that you never met, <laughs> right? So when they find out that you, um, you know, are a graduate member, that you were initiated through, you know, a, a graduate chapter, um, the embrace just wasn't the same. And you know, mind you, I was what I had literally just graduated college. <laughs> um, you did wow. Result wow. when I became um, an AKA and. To be honest, I this is funny. I actually um got through the loop, and it's 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 too late because I'm already a member, so they can't take it back. Um, <laughs> I officially didn't graduate until May of 2007, and I became an AKA while I was still technically an undergraduate. So, <laughs> oh wow, oh wow, Girl. okay. <laughs> I mean, as you said, you're, you're, it's it's 14 right. years after you've been, been here for a while. Right. So our um our uh ceremony was April twenty second, two thousand seven, and my degree did not confer. I was finished in December of two thousand six, but my degree did not confer until May two thousand seven. So my degree says May two thousand seven. So I was ah uh, gotcha. <laughs> oh, wow. May what two thousand seven? Oh, probably eleventh or something like that. You were close, honey. You were close. <laughs> right. Right. No worries. You were close. At this point, oh well. Right. But um, yeah, that's that's really the reason. So in those unofficial spaces, you know what I mean? When you go to ski fi, well, not necessarily ski fi because we yeah, we have new we were good. Um, but, you know, some Jersey barbecues, um, you know what I mean? Things like that. When um, if people didn't necessarily like know our, our 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 family and our connections and things like that, then, you know, we weren't embraced as much. So I'm going to add to this. That's true, right? So, right, so that feeling of like membership and excuse me, sisterhood being fostered due to autumn, like due to membership, because I'm not going to say automatic membership, <laughs> that's out of order. Um, due to membership wasn't mm -hmm. there, right? And so, what's interesting is Ty and I are really different in a lot of ways, but similar in other ways. And so, Ty is definitely more of the social person. <laughs> She is. She just is. So I think that in some of those spaces, like 
I really right. could have cared less. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Um, because not to say that she cared more, but she is just different socially. And I was a little older than her, not much, but just a little bit older. So for me, it's just like, okay, we good. And so we're going here, we're going there. What we wearing? Right. And so I do agree that at times it was awkward, but I see that now and maybe then as that's some people. And so we're going to keep it pushing. Right. And right. Here's the thing. Shavice as a person ain't for everybody. And that's okay. Absolutely. Right. Because someone else as a woman may not be for me or vice versa. It's still this foundation of a relationship and friendship. And, you know, I, I have some friends. I don't have a whole bunch. Um, so I still think that, you know, that who you are as a person thing still is kind of there with, in, in terms of making connections with, you know, women. No, it does. does that it make sense? Does. Um, <laughs> on a number, on a number of levels, it makes sense. Because you talk about the originality of who you are and it's like preconceived notion of what we believe mm-hmm. or the stereotype of what we believe sisterhood to be or to look like. Right. So you've mentioned a couple things in here. One um tie from your story and should be some of your response it's interesting because um we don't want to talk and I'm, I'm saying it from a sociological perspective i'm putting my higher ed hat on i'm putting my 20 years into the organization hat on there is an interesting dynamic when it comes to sisterhood and the journeying to it and depending on undergrad versus graduate membership and age and the whole nine that plays into what your experience looks like, right? And there's there's a subculture that we as members of D9 organizations are just not ready to talk about. We know it exists, but we're not ready to talk about it. And because we're not ready to talk about it, um, it costs us in ways that affect sisterhood. Meaning um, because of this divide, because of Mm -hmm. the subculture, there are a lot of ways that people don't experience sisterhood or brotherhood uh, for our counterparts um, because of this, again, this versus that, undergrad versus grad, and then the other this versus that that we have under um, our organizations. Um, And it's funny, again, so when you ask the question, like membership versus sisterhood, it's like we were told from jump that all your your friends are not your sorrows and all your sorrows are not your friends. Right. So it was the very first thing, Correct. one of the very first things you, you heard. Um, and so looking at that, that created an interesting dynamic, because if you want to be candid, you know, you might have had some friends who wanted to pursue with you and you had to make a decision whether or not you were going to try to pull them along or not. And that kind of created a crack potentially in your sisterhood. And then you get to the other side of the sorority and you feel like, oh, well, again, this should be this automatic commonality and this automatic treating of sisterhood that should happen. And then you have these experiences that let you know that there's levels to this. Right. And there are ways that people see you and how do you build it. Right. So let me just say this to anyone who's listening um, who has this question about it, just because you have letters or because you have paperwork or have taken the oaths and rights to and have received the rights to the organization, having letters and colors does not automatically constitute sisterhood. It means that you are a part of that organization and you can build the bonds of sisterhood, but it is not automatic. You have to build it. And so you have to remember that. So coming in thinking you're automatically going to have this great sisterhood and wonderful experience um, may happen for some. And in a lot of cases it does, but you have to be realistic because you're still dealing with women. You're still dealing with women who are coming in with their own identities, coming in with their own um, ideas of sisterhood, coming in with their own familial prior to their sorority experience um, lives that affect how they view the organization. 
we think about it when we're talking about sisterhood, it's an action word and it's all these things. But some people come into fraternal organizations because of the networking and connection purposes that come along with it. So if you're looking at as a woman who totally. came in for authentic sisterhood, meaning like not the networking and connection piece, because that's a part of it. But if you're coming in for it for the relationship and you're with another woman who came in for the connections, that your versions of sisterhood are completely different. So your interactions may not give you what you anticipated. So you have to be mindful of those things too. So it's one, it is remember that all your friends are not your sorrows and all your sorrows are not your friends. But two, knowing that you have different definitions of sisterhood. So what you put out may not be the same thing that you get back sometimes because their view of sisterhood and their view of family even can be different as they're coming in, if that makes sense. Mm. Yes, yes, Dr. Roy. <laughs> I'm so glad that you brought that up too, because um, just to kind of go back, the the one of the main reasons why I even like pursued membership, you know, is because, and our listeners know, you know, my mom died when I was six yeah. years old. Um, and so there was always that, you know, wanting like family and to like build my own family. Like even my friends I've had since high school, they're like my family. Um, and just, you know, the, the swords that I have relationships with, they are, you know, family to me. And for, <laughs> for me, I guess it was like when I was out and about, like com- confident, showing up confident, cause I'm confident in, you know, my journey to the sisterhood. Um, mm-hmm. and then to not like, get that same love that same embrace it was kind of like yo i'm dope <laughs> like <Yes>. like I'm, <laughs> like i'm dope like oh okay i get it like you don't know me like that but i'm dope like <laughs> like the things that i brought to the sorority the things that i've like have accomplished within a sorority in, in such a short amount of time you know it, it's it's been it's been wild it's been awesome and so i think that's more so where i was coming from it, it felt like it felt like mm-hmm. rejection. I didn't understand I the rejection yep. because I was, like I said, I was confident in my journey to, to the sorority and I felt like I was dope. Well, I am dope. You are dope. <laughs> yes. You are dope. Yes. So here's another question that it just popped in my head. <clears throat> so, Ray, just listening to both of your responses. So I think, well, no. So then what is sisterly, like being sisterly then mean, right? So I think we all have an idea of what being sisterly means. And you can, you know, in response, talk more about that. But just um, as it relates to one thing that Joy said, which is so true. Some people join the organization for those networking benefits. You know, other people are joining for a family. Um, and, you know, and we can sprinkle in the history, the philanthropic things that the organization does, you know, the community service and the like. But some people do have very specific intentions in joining the organization. But how does being sisterly or not play into that? Right. I, I don't Ooh. know. I, that's that's something to think about. OK, so. Yeah, we did not prepare for this. Let me, me, okay, I think I'm going to answer this way and then I'm going to throw this one to tie to to make it work. So I think sisterly, being sisterly means being authentically you and being positive and meeting meeting women, meeting sorors, meeting 
whomever you're in contact with in terms of sisterly dynamic, but meeting them where they are, right? And so um, it's being open-minded and knowing that everyone's coming to the table differently. And that's not going to change the way that you approach them in your sincerity. It might change the approach in terms of how the questions you start with, you know, we want to be pleasant. We want to be authentic. We want to be warm. We want to be friendly, even when, or even if someone else is not approaching you with that same demeanor, right? Because again, you know what sisterliness means to you or being sisterly means to you. Um, And so you don't let someone else change that. So it means being engaging. It means even if we have a difference of opinion, being able to engage in that dialogue and still walk away from it and still think well of this person and not um, think differently of them because of it. It's reminding yourself that even though I had this bad, this one bad experience, these other nine experiences should not change how I see things, but it really is just maintaining this positive um, way of looking at it and remembering what your expectation was. Cause that expectation of sisterliness came from some interaction that you had whether it was with another woman of the organization, whether it was how you saw them interacting with each other at a luncheon, at a step show, whatever. You had this idea or this glimmer of what it was supposed to be. Don't lose that and make sure that shows up in every interaction that you have. And then it it shows up with every interaction you have with a member of your sorority, but also outside of, because we're responsible for showing other people, other women, how to be sisterly or what that pleasantry looks like. So... To me, that's what being sisterly is. Well, I think you covered. <laughs> I think you covered um, it all. And the only thing that you know I'll add to it is, um, you know, we were taught whenever you meet a sore, you know, you always greet a sore yes. with a hug. Um, you know, there's no handshaking. <laughs> um, you always greet a sore with a hug and an embrace. Um, and so I just, I just always led with that, you know, you're sore. Oh, wonderful. I was, let's hug. And how are you? And, and, you know, you, you, you start off with getting to know them because again, we're all people yeah. and I, you know, it, once you get the letters, you know, it's, it's the AKA tie and no longer just tie, but we're still people. Absolutely. I mean, I I definitely agree. And I think it's important. And I brought that sisterly topic up because I think that some people may be coming into any organization, you know, with that. um, Mm -hmm. They're just eager, right? Um, Knowing what they know or knowing what they don't know, right? It's, you know, it's like coming to a job on the first day. (laughs) Um, And I, I don't want them in some instances, if, you know, they, you know, aren't sure about how greeting um, how should you greet a soror or you know if their first interaction with someone or one of their interactions is off and they don't feel as comfortable that they can't get that same authentic sisterly love wanting to get to know you as a person from other women in the organization and I feel like sometimes if a person does have that experience they're kind of yeah. turned cold right versus just continuing to strive for the abundance of women that are just so sisterly, you know, and the giving of their time, giving of their wisdom and just are caring women that really want to pour into them. And, you know, again, for whoever may be listening to this, just try again. There are sisterly women sorors of all organizations out there. So if you had not the best experience once, maybe twice, hopefully not three times, you know, the organizations are vast. There's hundreds of thousands of members. Try again, right? And then check Ooh. yourself. 
talk about Check that. how sisterly you that, are, right? That's, little, that's another side of it. That's very real. I have I have gone to greet some sores with a hug and they got their hand out. And I'm like, uh-uh, mm-hmm. we don't do that, <laughs> right? Um, I, I, and so full disclosure, everyone on this uh, taping yes. is sisterly, right? Sword Joy has been sisterly to us since day one, from the beginning. From the yeah. beginning, right? Authentic, you know, just very sisterly. That's just who she is as a woman. And so I think, you know, who we were as women, equally right was like oh this love, love whatever whatever so i think we as women we still have to still be that way be authentic be sisterly check ourselves yeah, that's 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 powerful that's that that is again a part of it that we don't tend to look at like where where's your accountability we're talking about you know others holding us accountable but there's some self-reflection that has to come along with this too like what are you doing are you Sisterliness is also checking yourself. She needs to, 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 to add to it. Check yourself. Are you having a bad day? Right? And so if you're having a bad day, yep. check, fix your face. Get your life together before you go out here and interact with people. Because the interaction they have with you can have a long-lasting impact and will make the decision as to whether or not they will interact with another woman who looks like you, whether it's your sorority, whether it is your profession, whether it is your social economic status, whatever. Um, if you, you have to remember every time that you come in contact with someone that is literally a, an experience that they have that they can take with them. So you have to check who you are as if you have to know yourself, you have to check yourself. So, and I want to say thank you for saying that because again, I love being, I love being sisterly. It's the um, truth. Too. I, and I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, no, that I never drank the Kool-Aid because some of us drank the Kool-Aid. We all did, um, in some way, shape or form. And, you know, if you know, you know right in terms of drinking the bullet um but you get to a point where you have to again self-reflection what is wrong with me am i doing this right am i the bad seed and if i am do i need to fix what i'm doing so that i can be the representation because you can't be sisterly to some and not to all if you're gonna call yourself sisterly that's a whole nother topic for another day another day Jeff. so Let's go to something else. So um, thinking about like your experiences. So um, let's share out like some of our favorite experiences or memories <laughs> from our sisterhood. I'll start. So I, I did think about this one. I am pre-planning the rest of these questions, but I did think about this one. So I, I have a couple of fun, good memories. Some I can share, some I can't. Um, but one that I remember specifically, oh my God, I was in my head child and it popped out. The one that I remember specifically that included sort of joy is the time. I don't know what we were doing, but it was the summertime. I don't know if it was like a holiday, but we, we were all in Russell's oh, hey, backyard Russell. in our. <laughs> yes. So it, but it was, it was like Michael, it was, um, Spash. It was so many different stores. Um, I mean, I, yes. it was Conrad. It was everybody. It really was a great memory. It just was like, it was fun. It was family. It was love. So that was a great memory that I could think of. I'm trying to think, what's something else funny that happened? Oh, another funny memory. This is a, a um, when we were going to Boule, excuse me, um, Centennial Boule, and we made up the stroll with high haters <laughs> in the car. That was fun. <laughs> that was a good memory. We had a couple of good memories that weekend. But the high haters stroll, we made up in like five minutes. Child, we was doing the high hater show with that little club. What was that club called, Ty? It was in the city. It was in it DC. Was it was love. a popular it's club. Pop- love was it was club. love. It was love. Okay. 
Yep, it was love. It was love. So that I probably have more, but those are the ones that just pop to the surface of my brain. You know, you got mommy brain and professional all the time. That's why. Stop happening. Foggy. Ty, it's on you. What's your memory? Yeah, it's on me. Yeah, I'm gonna go next, Doctor Jewel. Okay. (laughs) All right, I'll do one, and then you have to. You got so. Um, fond memory. Let's see. Um, because there are a lot of them, but I will say the first one that comes to mind, um, it's going to sound really cheesy and corny, but we're going to go with it anyway. So when we were in undergrad, we would all, I don't know why we used to do this, but we would all get together and we had this thing called Thursdays at Darwin's. Shout out to anybody who went to Syracuse University between 99 and 03, because you know what Thursdays at Darwin's meant. Um, it was the one time a week that um, black and brown folks went to um, one of our local establishments and engaged in spirit. Okay, I'm going to say it like that because our um, the beverages that we were drinking and they were adult ones, um, they were, you know, relatively low in cost and they had a really good DJ. And so we de- decided we would go there all the time. But we would all like swords, we would all just like get together like well before it was time to go, we would eat together, we would get dressed together, mm-hmm. we would go to Thursdays and Darwin's together, and then we would go and eat together. Sometimes it was like IHOP, it was never Denny's, because at that time we did not play with Denny's, y'all know that. Um, <laughs> it would be like some mm-hmm. random spot, we would get Sabastino's wings, whatever, but we all went together. This is like a whole tradition, so we would just literally go to Thursdays and Darwin's together. Um, so it was just cool because you know we got to spend that time together, um, even though we were all in different professions, not professions, but different majors and stuff all cam- on campus and we would see each other, but that was just like our thing that we did. And so that was cool. Um, and you know what else is a good memory for me too? I'm going to tell you. So I am, or not I am, because um, there are two of us that actually on here that are, um, but we had these in our graduate chapter, we had these like sister circles and it was like these walking groups and I remember so COVID was crazy right or is crazy and remember at the beginning we were all like like lockdown quarantine so not like where we are now but like you can't go anywhere you got 45 minutes to be out your house and that was it and so um as the weather changed and we realized we could be you know put our masks on and you know do our distance we started doing these walking groups and we went from, it was two of us at first, it went to four. And then the next thing we knew, we had like 12 stores walking in different places. And then you had small groups that branched out from it. And so it was, while it was cool to do the the walking, it really was the bonding that happened with it. So it was like, it might've been someone who you hadn't really interacted with like that. It was just that we were in the same organization, but you got to talk about like life and like mm-hmm. kids and like spirituality and you know, fears and concerns and all that good stuff. And so you really were able to like build these relationships. So I really legitimately have relationships with Soros who I would not have had COVID not happened and we need to find a way to exercise. Like literally that's the craziest thing. But I'm so appreciative of those moments. So those are like of many of them, but those are two that stick out to me in particular right now. Okay, so some of my favorite moments, I would have to say, um, I guess like my first conference, you know, that was really amazing. Oh my God, I met a a diamond soror, I cried. (laughs) Yes, you did. (laughs) I cried. Oh, the time in Rhode Island, and I'm I'm remembering this because I was literally just on 
uh, Founders Day earlier today with uh, former Madam Supreme. But before she became Madam Supreme, um, sorry, Dorothy Buchanan Wilson, she, um, we were in Rhode Island for, I think it was regional conference. And I was on the protocol committee and I served as her lady in waiting. Oh, cool. Like, I and was talking with her and helping her stuff. And so I just, I, I love moments like that. I love where I get to like serve and be among like the greats, the living legends that we have. Um, and then like some more close to the heart uh, memories, I would have to say that were like my favorite experiences. Um, all the times in New York, <laughs> all the times in New York, I, um, that night oh my god I went because I was always going places by myself and getting in trouble but <laughs> I'm not even gonna ask we're gonna leave that in the hands of the Lord and keep it moving go ahead uh, um but this time it was like super fun super dope um I went I went to game night at the Harlem Alpha house um and so Mike was there he had invited me and um, I met like Sora Azure. That was my first time meeting her and just like just had a great time. Like it was just super fun, super dope. Um and I'll say one more would have to be when we went to was that Boulet in Philly? When was we Philly? I was feeling great in 08. When we was that, in, when we had that was Narc. That was Narc. Yeah, so NARC mm-hmm. and submitted for the awards and Python Omega won the awards and we just had a great time at that conference. Oh my goodness, we had a really great time. We did. We did. Kimber <laughs> came, my best friend. <laughs> I love Kimber. We had oh, too much. Kimmy through that party. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> it was so, so funny. Yeah, we have you know what y'all my brain is functioning. I was thinking too that one time Solyndria had a party at her house. Solyndria oh, used, used to have parties. the really good barbecues yep. during she- the summer time. The yes. Hey Solyndria. Mm-hmm. Oh, Tarek barbecues. Tarek used to have the best barbecues too. Tarek did have good barbecues in his house. I remember. Yep. Oh my god. I remember one time this one. <laughs> With my friend, my old friend name, I'm not gonna say his name. He brought chicken to the house and was frying the chicken. I mean, too many Shout hilarious to, things. Uh, the TZQs. Ooh. Too many hilarious things that I because there's so many good memories. Of. Like so, and uh, I, that goes back to the conversation again. There's so yeah. many moments of like, this is what sisterhood looks like. It's these moments. It's sharing it with people who were in your organization or not. It's still that camaraderie because we're talking about members of other organizations because there are some listeners who may not even recognize we saying to, you know, mm-hmm. to this one and to that one, but we're talking about um, members of other um, black Greek lettered organizations that we're, you know, hanging out with and sharing these moments with and, you know, Ty and V are talking about, you know, them going together. It's again, it's these shared moments that you have um, that comprise what sisterhood looks like and how you share it with other people, right? So you have it. How does how does it show up with other with others and whether they're in your organization or not? But yeah, there's so many memories. There's just so many of them that so many good ones you've probably forgotten them. If you keep talking, you'll find even more of them. But 
um, I just want people to know who are listening as we're talking about it because people will like, people will take out the bad stuff, right? You'll say a thousand really good things and they'll say, well, they had this bad experience one time. But just remember that, yes, we some we talk about some experiences that were not the greatest, but you see our conversation. It's really about all the good times that we've had um, in this space called sisterhood. So don't lose that part of it. Definitely don't. Right. We have a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of really good memories from the past. Right. And then so many more memories still to come. So many more good memories to make. So here's a a real question that I've been thinking about. And right with just people in the social stratosphere or the social, you know, network, social media, Lord. So. What do you think about the influx of interest that sororities, sororities specifically Alpha Kappa Alpha, but other sororities as well, sorority life is getting due to the historic election of our vice president and soror? Right, in a positive way and a negative way. And so I I definitely wanted to pose this question, right, because um, one of someone on on social media in a group that I'm in, child, on day she had the little pink and green scrubs on she just was putting pink and green hearts and i was about this close to checking her she had one more time something and i was politely inbox her like ma'am it's a no i did actually check her but i did it very nice i said you know some of these things are specifically for members of you know my sorority and i did it. i think that was very nice to have done because you know i looked on her page to see if she had even um you know i'm gonna leave that alone but so what what are your some of your thoughts about this influx in interest, positive and negative, in you know the sorority? So, I, okay, so I think that it's natural and expected, right? This we are at a stage. First of all, we're After. we're coming out of one of the most controversial presidential or presidential um, terms, but also just periods in American history that we could ever come out of, right? And so you usher in this new movement, right? This, this, this new era. And in this era, you have the first black woman, the first South Asian, specifically Indian and first woman, right. Um, to come into this space. And she happens to be a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha. And there is still this mystery around Greek letter organizations. So we're going to get some of this good, bad, or indifferent. I think, like I said, it's natural and it's expected. Um, I think this is our opportunity to educate um, the community about our organization because there are a lot of preconceived notions about Black Greek life. There are preconceived notions about who we are. People follow stereotypes in terms of who we may be um, because we still have these colorism dynamics. We have these social economic dynamics. Um, we still are looking at this from the perspective nationally where the majority of Black and Brown students who are going to college are still first-generation college students. So there is not this understanding about our organizations or secret societies um, as we've been defined or anything else like that. So there's a lot of teaching opportunity for us. There's also the opportunity for us to show what sisterliness looks looks like, looks like excuse me, because there are going to be people who are, for lack of a better term, going to try it. They're going to push the envelope. They're going to get super geeked and excited that Kamala is Black. She's a woman. She's a part of this organization. That gives me, and she wears pink and green, so I'm going to wear pink and green too. The end. And so we got to check our, this gives us the opportunity to check ourselves and how we respond to the community. Because, for example, with this, this woman that was in your group, the group that you were in on Facebook, and she said, listen, again, it's Kamala. 
I'm wearing these checks and these pearls and everything gonna be in pink. I don't care if I'm an AKA or not. You hear me? Yes, I'm doing it. And we have to say, listen, you know, there's a way to correct women, correct each other in love. And we've got to figure out how to do that. So we got to do this assessment of ourselves and figure out what, um, how to do this and do this properly. Because again, the eye is on us at this point. Um, and I say the eye is on us as Alpha Kappa Alpha women, but the eye is on us as members of Black Greek sororities, period, at this point. Period. Delta, Theta, Z- uh, Sigma, Gamma, Rho. The light is on all of us because there is a Black woman who is in office. Period. Um, so that really gives us, again, how it, it it gives us the opportunity to assess, but it also gives us the opportunity to, f- to understand how we are interacting with our sisters and other organizations. Because there's still that preconceived notion that we don't mm-hmm. get along, right? There's that, oh, well, the AKAs are only with the AKAs, the mm-hmm. Deltas only with the Deltas, and, you know, follow suit. Um, so they're looking at all of us in all these ways. We got to, in the areas where we need to collectively tighten up, this is our responsibility. Um, and the areas that we need to talk about, like, what we're doing, this is our time to also enhance or heighten what we're doing in the community because the light is on us. So now this engagement, this responsibility, how we treat each other, the programming, all this has to, we have to up the ante. And again, it's not just, it is Alpha Kappa Alpha specific, but I believe it's it's Black Greek sororities as well. So we got a lot of a lot of moving, moving parts um, in this. All in all, I think it's a good thing that the light is there. Um, I'm excited that people are excited about the fact that Vice President uh, Kamala Harris is there. Um, but again, in terms of the social dynamics, in terms of social media, the light is on us and the light is on us how we respond to people who are um, wearing colors. Um, now, let us is a different story. I'm going to let Todd take that piece. But if people are wearing colors um, at this point, how we respond to them is really going to be a reflection on the organization. We got to be mindful of that. Yeah, man, I mean, I agree. I I don't think that you said anything (laughs) um, that, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say. I completely agree with everything you said. And um, I just think, (laughs) you know, people just want to, they want to be in the in crowd. I think some people do it on purpose, though, because they they Mm -hmm. like that that acknowledgement of you may think I am an AK if you say something to me then I'm gonna say no I'm not uh perhaps because some people might not not that's a perfect spirit Um, right right (laughs) um but yeah I think it's it's like that proximity but no I was I was actually I'm so sorry go ahead both the question so just to jazz this up a little bit because we got real technical and political and appropriate right but i'm gonna switch gears for a second so what's gonna happen um when you when you know Mm. the seasons will change and we will have a little bit more freedom to be outside with your mask on right with your mask on what's gonna happen and i said it just Mm -hmm. like that what's gonna happen when either one of you runs into someone who has on their little pink and green mask and their their chucks and they got on, you know, not necessarily Alpha Kappa Alpha paraphernalia, but they got on pink and green and they're out in these streets and they're like, you can't tell me not to wear this together. You can't tell me I can't do this. Who are you? Because these things happen too. So what are you, you going to say to that? I mean, here's the thing. They aren't wrong, but they are not right. And I think that um, it is up to and it's up to us to be able to gently correct 
in an appropriate way, folks that think those things. And so I honestly am of the firm belief, and I always have these random ideas. I really do. Sometimes they're good though. But I really think that the, the Panhellenic Council needs to come out with some protocol and verbiage for us to be able to follow in terms of having, you know, these not so easy conversations because there's some people out there that will be like, oh, you know, I understand, no disrespect, you know, definitely won't do it again. But then you have Jessica Tessica's out there that, you know, <laughs> yes. will, yep, sure did. There'll be Tessica's out there that be like, mm-hmm, no, ma'am. Hi. You know, because my response is like, oh, are mm-hmm. you a soror? That's the first thing I'm going to ask them. And when I do, I think in some instances when I've done that with people, like they kind of have fallen back. So that's why I'm going to leave with, oh, are you a soror? You're not? Oh, really? Oh, you you have one pink and green. You're wearing it together? You're not just wearing pink or Uh-oh. green? Oh, right. That's what I'm just going to, I'm going to leave right with it. I'm going to leave with that. Dumbfounded, but nice and gently correct you and then see where it goes okay. that's that's very that's very political do. and mature of you and i i like it i do <laughs> I, it is the it is the response that we need to have well then there's that part too because i might be when, out with my that's kids when the mommy so. identity is also attached to this right and you got to be the example not that you don't have to in the other way but you add this identity you got something else going on but ty what are you gonna do so I'm just going to defer to my line sister because I'm half Claire and half Cookie. And so you never know who you might get. Yes, Claire and Cookie. I, yeah. think, I think we all might have a little Claire and a little Cookie, though. I think that I think that's normal. I think that's part of a, <laughs> I think that's part of woman identity, um, Black woman identity as well. I think we, we are both at the same time. So I hear you. But I think it is important for people um, primarily who did not go to college to understand this, right? Because I think that if you went to college and you decided not to become a member any of any of our illustrious organizations, you understand mm-hmm. etiquette, for lack of better terms, no. right? Um, you know a little bit of protocol. You see us strolling, you move out the way, you know, like whatever have you, you know what it is. And so I think for folks that may not have had that experience or don't don't have, you know, members of the Divine Nine or Greek Letter organizations in their family, that it is important for us to be able to explain to them, well, hey, here's why, you know, we ask that you not do this. Because how can you expect them to do better, quote unquote, if they don't know? So that's why I feel like it's appropriate to have like some standard type of verbiage come out for all the black people and the white people to know because they're going to try it too. Let's just be real. So what do you say though to, because I hear you and, but there are mm-hmm. some, you know, we're on these Facebook groups and whatnot. There are some mm-hmm. people who are college educated who, you know, have seen Divine Nine, have wanted, you know, to pursue membership for whatever happened, didn't happen. And they still don't know how to interact. They still don't know how to like exercise uh, decorum, exercise tact, and to um, not um, say certain things in public settings. <laughs> um, they still they still don't get it. Like even what there was a black broadcaster who 
Oh, I wanted. I missed that. I sure missed yeah. that. Oh God, go ahead. There was a black broadcaster who said Ski Weekly oh. live on air. A black. I have to go back and look there. at that. Yes, he now did. he went to a PWI. Um, but I mean, it's Greek life. All well, now. Right. You, exactly. you knew now. I, I get the head now. You could have just said Alpha Kappa Alpha. I think it was Mark Lamont Hill who said. No, uh, that was Jonathan. No, no, no. I'm Jeff. saying Mark Lamont okay. had a response oh, okay. for him. Mm, yeah. And he was right, saying, you know, you, you can show reverence and you can acknowledge, um, you know, that uh, Madam Vice President is a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha without saying we. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I think that there's something. So I, I, listen, that's a sidebar conversation. I was gonna there. say that there's definitely like there's some sidebar that needs to happen there. Absolutely, but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna put on mm-hmm. this hat. I'm put on the 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 researcher hat. I'm gonna put on the the race identity hat for a second, and say that just because a person identifies or we identify them as black or brown, and that they are college educated, does not mean that they interacted with us as a student. It does not mean that they understand the culture of Black Creek life. Um, and so they may not know that that's inappropriate. So the same way we have to educate the public, meaning those who are not famous or on um, on the news, whatever the case may be, it's the same care that we're going to have to place in those in those larger spaces. So, you know, I think about what you were saying, Shavisa, about like protocol and something being in place. I think that's solid. Um, but we're still going to have to have these, you know, these smaller conversations. So in this, so this is why Mark Lamont Hill has to have mm-hmm. this, like, well, there's ways to acknowledge without doing that. Um, so I think it goes, I think it goes to that. Um, we can't make assumptions though, that people who just because they are, they identify as black or brown, like I said, or we do it, that, um, that they had this interaction to understand the protocol. And it still goes back to, again, this whole thing about what does sisterliness look like? And it's still this accountability and, and taking care of people. So we still have to give these lessons um, in love, even when we are angered by it or frustrated by it, because we know that you're not supposed to do that. We still got to, exercise you know restraint um and maintain a solid temper because again the eyes are on us i'm gonna find that article by mark lamont hill and i'm gonna post okay. it that's gonna be the start it, it was a instagram video okay i'm gonna look for i mean hey i'm just sharing videos <laughs> just so you know this is a video for you this is a PSA right a soft PSA Mm -hmm. it's a video that I found interesting that I want to share I think he but I I hear you I I think he did it for the Grio I'm gonna search for it no worries but I I think too it's just gonna be a little tricky but I think it definitely will lend itself you know, to like Sora Joy said, bringing more positive visibility, interest, and support of, you know, the events that all of our organizations host, right? You know, hopefully that'll get more people served um, when we are able to meet, you know, and face-to-face, um, but hopefully it'll get more people, resources, um, information, opportunities as well, right? Because now it has a little bit more, the organizations have a little bit more name recognition not name recognition visibility so i think i think that everything that we've talked about um has really brought about 
um, just the just the notion that there are people out there that are seeking to have the types of relationships that we've you know found and fostered within you know our organization. And so, what do you all think about this new sorority that has popped up, where? You know, you you don't necessarily have had to go to college. Be a high school graduate. Um, I believe there's like a five hundred dollar membership fee. <laughs> yes. Okay. Wait. So wait. I need you to continue the whole thing, but let me preface it by saying there are other priorities out there that exist where you don't have where, where college graduation or matriculation is not a requirement. But please talk to me about this five this membership fee and the whole. Please just. So there, there is this organization. I cannot remember the name, um, and I don't want to, you know, get sued or anything. So I'm not going to say the name. Uh, but there is this organization. It literally started uh, in November 2020. <laughs> the um, the membership fee is like five hundred dollars. You apply online, um, and right now it's that they're no longer accepting membership for the, uh, for this year. So I guess that means that she, you know, the founder is one founder. Okay. So that means that, you know, the founder, um, you know, got her members and got their monies and all of that. Mm-hmm. and all of that jazz. Um, so what do you what do you say to like these organizations that either are gonna start popping up or um or what do you say to people who would like to have that sisterhood feeling? Um but have not gone to college. Okay. So, <laughs> so I, like I said before, there are there. This is not the only. This is not the first time this has happened where a sorority has popped up and college matriculation or, or degree completion has not is not a requirement. Um, there are local organizations that are like that. There are some um, organizations that that were founded um, around the notion of transgendered identity because they were not able to get into Black Greek lettered organizations that exist with the same premise. So let me say that. Um, in response to finding sisterhood, um, you can find that in, in other areas without joining a Greek lettered organization. You can find it. Um, this is a unique type of sisterhood and a lot of people are in search of it because of the the fact that it is, again, as we talk about it, a secret society, so all the information is not there. There is this enamoration with it because you don't have all the info. Um, and we are tantalizing women, just as it is. So, you know, there's that part of it. But to those who um, do not meet the membership requirements um, in terms of our organization, again, I, I think it's important to speak sisterhood in the ways that it occurs in your life, right? In what ways are you showing yourself to sleep? What, what what relationships are you building? What are you putting out there? Where are you cultivating this? This can happen in the community. It can happen in your church. It can happen at your place of employment. It could be through mentorship. There are a lot of ways that sisterhood can happen. Um, so don't look at this as the only way. It's one form of membership to aspire to. Um, but it's not the only way that it can happen. And if you're looking for this type of sisterhood that requires this, you know, this, again, matriculation or graduation as a requirement, then are you putting yourself in a place where this can be a reality for you? Now, I also want to say that um, one of our um, D9 sororities, Zeta Phi Beta in particular, has an auxiliary group that um, you don't have to be 
a college graduate to be a participant mm-hmm. in it. So there are other ways that this can happen. Um, they do have criteria, don't get it twisted, but they're, they're, it's an entity where you don't have to have a college um, degree to be a part of that particular auxiliary group. But I would say just in what other ways are you creating avenues for sisterhood in your life outside of? Because what you do there, if you're looking for a Greek letter organization, what you do in your life prior to will show up in how you are a sister to others once you're a member of an organization. So cultivate it outside of. And if the opportunity presents itself, you already know what you're getting. You already know how to show yourself sisterly. But Shavis is quiet, though. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to leave that one to the side. Um, yep. Hey, different strokes for different folks. You do what, you do what is best for you. Or, yep, I'm going to leave that alone. <laughs> well, thank you, um, um, Dr. Joy, the last thing that we really wanted to talk to you about um, is your research. And we know that your dissertation... Um, was really about Black women who decided to join uh, mainstream organizations. So could you talk to us a little bit about that and how these Black women found sisterhood um, outside of the Divine Nine? So this is like my baby, right? So I'm all like excited. So um, (laughs) the first thing is it really was called Black Like Me and it came from um, so obviously that's from James Baldwin. Let me start there for those who are, who are unfamiliar. But it essentially speaks to this notion of, and you all can understand this, at your respective, at your campus, there was a way to perform race, right? So the Black students either live in certain residence halls, were part of certain organizations, listened to certain music, came through certain programs, um, and there was a collective that was built that way. But what happens to the women who don't do that? So what happens to the... The, the, the young woman or young man, but in this context, a young woman who um, wasn't raised in an environment with other um, Black people um, does not, quote unquote, follow the rules of, what, of Blackness for our respective institutions and stuff like that. So my research is really around the experiences of Black women who joined um, traditional or white sororities at PWIs, right? So it is your... It's your friend who joined Tridelt while you were at Denison, for example, right? So um, interviewed, I did interview six different women. I did that on purpose because I wanted to um, understand what their experience is like. Now, I will tell you that there are very few women who want to talk about this experience because they're coming from a place of hurt, a lot of them, because what I found with them is that they tried to engage with the Black community, but what happened was we pushed them out. Because we didn't, because they didn't like mm. the same music, right? They didn't live in the same residence halls. They didn't speak the way that mm. we spoke. They didn't go to the campus parties because that wasn't their friend circle, right? And so because they didn't do these everyday things that were part of our social experience, we said, oh, she's an Oreo, right? She's not really Black. Um, she's faking. Yep. Or one girl was called a Jafakin because she wasn't quote she didn't perform Jamaican identity the way that it quote unquote should be performed and so it took me forever to get women who wanted to talk about their experience one woman said to me literally she was like you're asking me to talk about this experience like you're not a part of the group because her notion was like you're a black woman so you're one of the people who told me I wasn't black enough so she smooth slid wow. out of the interview process in the first, like, there were three interviews done in total. She did the first one and like half of the second was like, you know what, I'm not doing this because you're part of the problem. Not even like, 
she doesn't know me outside of me being the researcher. But she became so uncomfortable because of this message that was played to her that she wasn't Black enough. So I was fortunate enough to get um, six women to participate in the story and here in the research. Here's some of the things I found. Um, one was that all of my participants um, grew up in affluent communities, right? So they, there wasn't this presence of um, Blackness as we define it there. Now, the majority of them did have um, influence from members of Black sororities, particularly Alpha Kappa Alpha and Delta Sigma Theta, right? So they were Jack and Jill kids. They were, um, their moms were part of these other organizations, the Links, um, you know, their dads were part of Boulé, um, et cetera. So they had that interesting dynamic. Um, two of them, their um, parents were born outside of the United States. So that conceptualizes race in a very different way too. Okay, so on their college campuses, they were actually were seeking um, the Black community, seeking Black organizations, and more specifically seeking Black sororities. But they didn't know the culture of, in, of, an, of interest, right? So we know that um, on a college campus, and so when you're interested in a Black people that organization, there's some work that has to be done. You have to declare your interest, um, and there are creative ways that that needs to be done. They are thinking of it in the same fashion as their white friends because the rush process is totally different than our interest process, right? Sure, sure. Can I ask a question really quickly? Because I'm just curious. So again, I think we talked, we mentioned first generation college mm -hmm. students, right? Not knowing the same etiquette. And so again, first generation college student here, I had no clue of the etiquette. All I merely did was observe. So I'm not trying to slight these young women, but I'm curious to know why that wasn't something that they may have also been able to do to then understand there's a difference in just showing your interest. So that's actually a very good question. Um, so for them, they felt uncomfortable even going to the events to observe because their friend circles were, were typically white students. So their social events were not, not related to okay. or not at, they weren't at our events. So that made it a little difficult for them. Um, so they were in pursuit and it was very different than the, the mainstream counterparts because the rush process, again, is very different. It's more social. You know, you rank the houses, they rank you. And if you get a match, then, you know, you're good to go. And then the process, you know, proceeds from there. So they didn't know that. And they're approaching us, which is why I said we have to talk about what sisterliness also looks like. So when they approach us, they don't understand the subculture or the culture in general of what it means to declare your interest or be interested at a PWI and in a Black Exeter organization. So they felt rejected from that process because of the interactions they had with members, with women in Black Exeter organizations. So they felt like, well, my social experiences have been with the, excuse me, with the white community or with the white students on campus. So I, they pursued sisterhood in that way. Now, what happened was they joined these organizations and they were in, um, in these chapters, in these houses, but they were having these racialized experiences in them, right? So it was the questions about um, their appearance, their hair, their body type. That was that type of stuff. It was the interest and desire to date Black and Brown men, but again, not knowing how to navigate the, racial, the racialization or the social side of, of the experience, they felt like weird in terms of trying to navigate that space. So that became difficult for them to do as well. They were, um, they felt intimidated by taking um, 
or in state, they felt like they could not take things like an Africana studies course because they felt like they would be seen as an outsider or someone who should know certain things and they don't know them. Um, so they had a very interesting dynamic. And so they were, they, in some ways they were ostracized from their sisters because they were not white and did not perform race in a certain way, but they also felt intimidated in some ways ostracized from our communities, from black and brown communities, because they didn't perform race in the ways that we think that they should have been done. So they ended up being in a place of isolation because they wanted to engage their community, but because again, they didn't perform things the way, they didn't listen to the same music and do certain things the same way um, that they couldn't. And so what happened was um, they, they stayed in their organizations. One just basically kind of removed herself from the sorority. Um, one of them became president of her chapter and just took ownership of this is who I am, this is what it is. But she also said, had I had these interactions mm. with the Black community prior to me becoming a sister in this sorority, I might have made a different decision. Um, one girl said to me, you know what? I think I'm white. So I don't know how to wow. answer some of the stuff that you're asking me because Blackness is listening to a certain type of music. Blackness is coming from a poor neighborhood. Blackness is being a first-gen college student. I don't identify in those ways, so I must be white. Right? Wow. That's deep. That's deep. That's deep. Because, again, she's taken on these identifiers, but a lot of it has, has come from us. Where are her parents? Where are these children's parents? I mean, <laughs> where are so these children's parents? Are there, but again, like, we have to I'm think sorry. about um, Black identity outside the United States. We have to think about Black identity um, That's true. from an affluent perspective, because we, again, think of Blackness from a low to moderate income status. This is how it's conceptualized in a lot of ways, because of social media, because of reporting when it comes to higher ed. It's a lot of reasons why it looks that way. And we have to think about biracial identity because we still adopt this rule that if you got, we, we adopt the one drop rule, right? Um, no matter how many ways we that do. we talk about race identity in America, we still, as a black and as a black community, say we, you know, the one drop rule is what we kind of go by. So what happens when this person says that I have one black parent and one white parent and I'm both? Um, what does that look like? Um, so, you know, it's a lot that's in it. Um, a lot of them said that they, one of the, one of the, the chapters in my dissertation is called Bringing Home a Billy. Um, because some of the young women, phrase they had, but it was, some of them were talking about the dating experiences with, with, with white men mm. um, and how that really wasn't their goal. But the, but the black men also felt like they weren't quote unquote black enough, even that they were trying to date. That's interesting because I didn't expect that one at all, right? I definitely would not have expected that, but I guess that shows my bias. So here's another thought that I had because this, it makes me feel sad, mm -hmm. but also I'm being reflective, right? And thinking about these women that I may have come in contact with when I was on campus, not that I was affiliated with the organization at that point in time, but it, I think it comes mm -hmm. back to our core conversation in terms of sisterhood, right? Had we been more sisterly for lack of better terms mm -hmm. with these women and vice versa right would this have happened because I think thinking back to some of the young ladies um that may have come from more affluent towns or may have have come from more um 
white town yeah. I'm from Irvington. It's it's black people, it's Asian people, you know, Latino people. So I think that lack of shared experiences, whether it's food or, you know, school or prom or whatever those similarities were, you know, caused that divide. But maybe if we had all been a little bit mm-hmm. more open to being sisterly, right? That could have changed things for, you know, young women like that because we saw them on campus and definitely rejected them. There's no way around it. Like, I can definitely, in my mind, even though I wasn't a sore of Alpha Kappa Alpha in undergrad, there were, you know, black and brown girls joining the mainstream <laughs> organization. They're like, mm, really? For real? Mm-hmm. You got to remember, too, V, like, we were leaders on campus and not just in, like, um, you know, student government associations, things like that, but, like, the premier, um, you know, people of color organization. So, like, you were in BSU, you know what I mean? I was in BSU. We, we had leadership roles. So to us, I, I can definitely see how, you know, we would have written someone off, especially if like they weren't participating in that process. Like if they weren't like active with the black community, if they weren't coming to organizations. I remember dating this black guy. He was from Pensacola and he ended up joining um, a mainstream org and Wow, you know his line name was Token. The story, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's sad. Um, but I, again, I just was thinking, right? How could we have fostered more sisterhood mm-hmm. with one another? Um, because it, it's a two way street, and I think as a strong person, I always am feeling like I'm the person to speak up or be responsible for things. Um, and that's tiresome. But I wonder, right, how these young ladies could have just been like, hey, I'm so-and-so, I'm from X, Y, and Z. Not that I know that they did not do that, right? But I know, based on my experiences in undergrad, I didn't always see those, you know, type of women that may have come from different backgrounds than me, um, as me, but, you know, were Black women doing those things. They were automatically... Because well, I think it white also girls. is about familiarity. They That's who their pre-college experiences were, in most cases, with a multicultural or mostly white community. And so that's their comfort zone in terms of who they communicate with, right? Mm -hmm. And there is still this notion of Blackness being performed in a certain way. And so if they've had these experiences, so either it's one of two things, either they've never had the experience and don't know how to navigate the space, or they've had the experiences and they've been told that they're not authentically Black, Um, And so if I've done this one time, if I did it my freshman year and I got shot down, why would I continue to do this in this community even I really want to engage? Because clearly it makes me feel like I don't have enough or I'm not Black enough. So there's there's that part of it because a lot of them talked about that um, where they did reach out, they did try to connect and we snubbed them. Right. We looked at them sideways. We said, oh, she's an Oreo. We've done we've all done it. And I remember. You know, interestingly enough, you know, I remember the, the interesting, right. like, juxtaposition I was in. You know, I'm from Irvington, but I went to boarding school, right? And I, this is bef- this is well before, um, mm-hmm. you know, social media and Facebook and any, any component. When I went to college, we were just getting email. Let me put it in context, right? And so I remember writing a letter um, to my roommate who was a white woman who was from Ohio and who played field hockey like I did. So without seeing me, her thought process is I'm another white girl until she walks in the room and she sees me. Now, 
because I did not come in through, come to my institution through a particular program and because I wasn't living in the spaces where black students lived on campus, there were black women or there were black students who didn't feel like I was black enough. Not knowing my story, only seeing the educational component. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? And only seeing that I went to boarding school, that mm-hmm. I played field hockey, that I wasn't in certain classes and I didn't come in through a very particular program. So for them, because I didn't do these four things, I was quote unquote an Oreo and I had to build um, relationships and get to a point where people quote unquote saw me as authentically black. That took time as somebody from the same social economic and demographic, social economic um, bracket and demographic living like in terms of city. So we, we really have to think about um, what ways do we show ourselves sisterly? Cause to your point, Shavis, how could we have changed that dynamic for those women if we had not have been the, the women who snubbed them yeah. because they didn't perform race the same way we did? Now, we, we, there's some stuff within our community that makes us reject that, that identity, reject the fact that they don't perform it the same way. So there's some work that needs to be done on both sides. But again, to your point, um, what would have happened if we had embraced them differently, if we allowed their differences to still be considered as Blackness? Because that's not our responsibility to decide who's black and who's not. That's true. Yes. But we do put that on ourselves, right? It's not right. It's true that it's not our responsibility, but insert the fact that we do. Um, but it I think it's I think it's really sad, but so complex, right? Because it's just like hopefully it's something that you want to write a book about because it's so interesting, right? An interview, you know other black women that were in organizations or weren't um and then you know also i always i also wonder like did those young women consider like denouncing their letters in that organization so and then that joining didn't come the up but i do know someone did that did ever that, come interestingly up interestingly enough um mm-hmm. they never said that one of them just became inactive um as she went through her own journey now again what adds to that is where's your location in the United States? Because originally she was from the South. So that changes how you also see Greek life because it's very different in the South. And um, the type of music that she liked, certain other things that kind of helped her to navigate. She was kind of like an in-betweener. So she was doing both. And she was the one, interesting enough, who was just like, I'm inactive and... You know, that's just what it's going to be. But none of outside of her, none of them like denounced really or anything else like that. They just kind of decided like, this is not for me, but I'm still not sure how to navigate this space. So they're still in limbo. And Hmm. until we extend the olive branch, they can continue to be in limbo. Wow. This is all very it is. And and there's there's a lot to unpack um about sisterhood, um, about identity, about social economics. Mm-hmm. It's all intersected. Um, because we also feel like sisterhood only exists if you can understand my struggle. Mm-hmm. Yes. That is true. Share that shared experience, right? If you don't have Which, this shared and that experience, also feeds into nah. <laughs> some of the subculture of our organization at the beginning about the this versus that, right? Um, All right. So if that shared experience is not there, how can I show myself yep, sisterly? Absolutely. Your responsibility is to show it regardless of 
situation mm-hmm. because you know what the the definition of sisterhood is. You're responsible for showing it. So we can unpack it one day. We can unpack. It one day. Yeah, because I mean, I'm just, I'm, and so I'm just thinking about right that shared experience mm-hmm. and how when there's no intersect. Um, what then happens? That's just so interesting, right? I never looked at it from the standpoint of this, this, and that. So briefly, just in my brain, like I'm a first-generation college student. When I went off to college, I was one thing. When I came back, I was another. And I felt rejected by my community. Yep. It was a lack of that shared experience that caused that rejection. Or right, or that per- or, or what I perceived myself to be or what they didn't perceive right, because identity to be really as is, well is a very technical it. definition, but identity is how you see yourself, how others see you, and then how you all see the world. All three of those pieces get rolled in when you're creating someone's mm-hmm. identity, self-identity and how other people see you. So you're right, Shavis, it is how you saw yourself after having this experience, um, how they saw you, um, and then how you both see the world given where you are individually. So same thing for these women. But who's to say we didn't have shared experiences? We made assumptions about them. That's true. That is true. Because we never had a conversation beyond, mm, it's enough. <laughs> you saw her yeah, for me. She know my, um, whatever she my social type of function was on Thursday night on your campus. And she was at the frat house and you were passing the frat house on to, your way to wherever you were going. And so, yeah, right, right. To yeah. the U house. So as you were on she your way to, to the, the campus party, party, she was at, you know, filling the blanks to get party, whatever, right? And so making it, we made the assumption that that's the yeah. only way that she wanted to party and she didn't want to even engage it with us, Right. Just because she was there at that in that moment, we made an assessment of who she was in terms of her racial identity and connectedness. And that's not fair. It's not. Um <laughs> whew, this is this done turned to a whole nother conversation. It right? really oh. did. And I just but still still foundationally the same, but still <laughs> we kind of did, and I think like uh Dr. Joy said, you know that we can definitely have her on for another uh, episode be able to have this further. But Dr. Dr., you just give us maybe like your three takeaways, gems, um, for making sure that we are continuing to foster uh, sisterhood. and So number one is be authentic. Be who you are. Remember your definition of sisterhood and what it looks like. Remember that glimmer um, when you remember it, what it looked like for you, um, how you felt when you felt sisterhood and make sure you carry that with you. Bring the authenticity of that with you everywhere you go. Um, The second thing is, you know, have compassion and extend grace, right? So remember that other people have had experiences that have not been positive in their lives. And again, it could be sisterhood and and from church that hurt them it could be sisterhood their own biological sister hurt them it could be a number of things and so remember and extend grace because everyone has not had a happy-go-lucky situation because you haven't either so be mindful that people are coming with with who they are um but don't let that change how you approach them 
Um, and three, again, self-reflection. Make sure you know who you are walking into a space, right? Because again, your your interaction with someone is is lasting. Um, it can make or break how someone sees sisterhood. So remember to be who you are, extend the grace and check yourself. Am I Am I able today, given who I am and what I'm experiencing, am I able to shed that light? If not, then you kind of want to, you know, not be overt with it, but kind of just, hey, how you doing? And kind of keep it moving, you know, be mindful of who you are so that you can extend who you are naturally in terms of your definition of sisterhood. That's all I got. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Fun. <laughs> thank you so much seriously dropped so many gems like we knew that you would this is fun it was a pleasure to do this um, it really really so was much. we don't get a chance to talk about sisterhood that often right do it in our own backyard side no, we don't. you know but we never talk about it formally and I think it's something that we need to do more often so shout out to you all for having this idea and bringing this out so people can hear it so thank you all Absolutely. And we're looking forward to, you know, the book, like uh, Shavish said, it's because now it's out there. For, in the atmosphere, from your mouth so. to God's ears. Yeah. You're, you're right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, you, know, I, I mean, you don't already wrote the presentation. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't take much at this point to do it. Just so you're right. Published. You're absolutely right. That might be a goal for 2021. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so thank you, thank you again. Where can the people find you? What are you working on? Um, promo or plug anything? Sure. Um, so your Instagram. Um, I do have my that. own uh, business. It's called Cultured Conversations, and what I do with that is I help people to uh, engage in the uncomfortable dialogues around race and class and gender. Um, whether it's community organizations, churches, families, whatever. So that's what I do. Um, and so you can find me on Instagram as the race doctor. Why? Because I feel like I'm here to help people solve these problems and engage that way. So it's the race doctor. That's on IG. Um, if you're old, because my students tell me I'm old, um, I use Facebook and it's really Joy Latara Smith and it's L-A-T-A-H-A-R-A Smith. So that's where I am. All right. Thank you again so much. And we're out. So I did want to add one quick thing that popped in my head. If you are listening to our podcast and you have more questions about anything that we talked about, please feel free to reach out to us. Uh, that's just who we are, right? So that we can um, help you clarify, answer your questions, support, whatever it is that you might need. But if you if you feel like you have questions you want more, <laughs> talk to us. You can talk to, talk, talk to V. Talk to you can, you can talk to me on Instagram at Cause I said so podcast. Horrible. That's deplorable mm -hmm. though. <laughs> The plurable. So you can't talk to me. Ooh, that, was that was a great fun. episode. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I have uh, what mm -hmm. the email that I have for you. Do you have an email at um for your business because um there is an organization that asked me to like help them really kick off their 
I don't like their DEI work and their stance. Okay. DEI. It's a food it's a food bank of South Jersey. It's a I feel like it's a conflict. It's not it's not like really like a, a full on conflict, but I don't even want the perception. I see of, what you're saying. Of, I see what you're saying. Um, conflict. so that's actually being built yeah. out right now because I had stopped I had actually stopped doing work on it because I was like I'm about to close this business up. Um, but what I can tell you is this because I'm the chief diversity officer at Georgia, you can actually just send it to my Georgian court email because that's that is officially out there as, as me being the diversity officer. Sure. Okay, good. So I'm gonna just I'm gonna kick them your way and I'll and I'll share with the so you yes. have a follow up question. I just too. did do do you do, do you last, like, work with schools? Right. Oh Lord. Okay, so <laughs> I, I gotta figure out. No, I gotta figure out how to work this into my son's school because I'm on their social justice committee. I'm doing air quotes over here. Um, they've they've named it now cultural infusion. So I gotta go back and ask them well, why is the title of the, the freaking yeah committee change? They're afraid, to but say social justice I, because white people are afraid. No, they I I don't think so. They could have gotten back that before. they got a lot a lot of complaints. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. So, yeah, they probably I'm got some bad Because Scotch Plains and Fanwood had to change their name. I did some consulting for them. Yep. They had to change. They changed the name of their group because of the backlash too. I, I but see what's crazy is like another school that's definitely less diverse than ours is called the Social Justice Committee. I'm pretty sure it is. Who's so your black principal? Our black principal is um lacking, and a lot of ways. And I bet you they test her more because she black. But here's the thing. I'm not negating that they do. But here's but you know what? Let's go back to the conversation. Samantha is not a familiar. Right? She has not had the shared black experience. And so we are expecting and it's again, I have these epiphanies. I'm getting old. Mm -hmm. We are expecting this shared black experience that Samantha has not had. So I feel and other black moms feel as if she's dismissive. Right. Like um, one mom was saying that the teacher she felt um, was very um, just it was a microaggression that happened. You know, we're in Zoom. So all the parents are listening now. And so she took it to the principal who kind of dismissed it. And so she pushed it a little bit further to the board and the superintendent. And so she took the meeting with the mom. And so I had also had the experience where I was basically mm-hmm. saying to her, I, right. want you to, I want my son to be in the class with a black male teacher. <laughs> like. And so, although I respect and right. understand, you just can't do that. Here are my wishes, right? Her response to me, um, I didn't think was what I wanted to hear, right? Because just a way to say, you know, I respect someone. It just, it, something about her. Where is she, she hasn't from? had that shared experience. I understand that very clearly right now. I think she's from Montclair. Because I, 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 I want to say she is. Is she an MKA kid? She's from Montclair. You know, I don't that plays know. into it. Right? That so here's the thing. It does Montclair is so interesting, Joy, because it is like um it's the most of the black people here that seem as if they have some type of power are families that have been here for generations, mm-hmm. but still seemingly have not moved up in terms of their socioeconomic status. I find that very interesting and are still kind of like arms reach with the black families that have kind of moved right into the town that are 
middle class, upper middle class, right? There's definitely a difference and they don't really mingle with one another, which I find very interesting. Um, so I don't, I think that she may be a old, mm-hmm. maybe she's a, you know, a right. middle class, upper middle class black family, but that has been here for a while. You know, I'm not, I'm not sure what her story is, but I, I need to, I did ask one of the other moms, what is her deal? So like, she going to dig and see what her deal she, is. She and I have any, but I said all this if she, say, if she's black and went to private school, we all know each other. That's true. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it might have been a different experience that, you know, again, we didn't share, but that's still okay. Like, I don't know. But I just feel like Montclair as a school district, as you can see, um, based on what we see in the media with the district suing the um, teachers um, union, they just need some help. They do. Like, their equity person was fired. They have, we have a new equity superintendent, Dr. Morgan. She's from South Orange. I like Dr. Morgan. Sprinkle, Sprinkle Seven Line. Is she? Kalisha Harris Morgan. I did not know she was a store. Oh, she's Kalisha Harris Morgan. Yep. I mean, with her next week, I sure am going to be bringing that up. Don't you worry. Um, but and I love Doctor Pons, but, the superintendent. Doc, they're giving it to Doctor Pons, and it's very unfortunate. They're going to have. And, you said and so. The rid thing of him? is right. They want. They want to get rid of him, girl. They got a petition and everything. I love Doctor Pons. I did some work with him, and when he was in Minaki. Uh, they don't care about Dr. Pons. You know what, though? Here's the thing with Dr. Pons and what's coming out of his office. And I only see these differences because I work in Dork. Superintendent Leon has been very clear, right, with the, the policies and procedures as it pertains to COVID when we come back into the school building, right? Most of the times when we have faculty meetings, the, Dr. Stevens goes over it again. Dr. Pons did not effectively communicate a standard protocol for every school to follow and then add other things of their own, right? So things are very unclear from Dr. Mm. Pons. And he should have known to not be unclear with these people, right? Dr. Pons, again, has sent out communications that were jumbled and or had errors. He had to send another one out five minutes later. You should have known not to do that with these parents. They're going to stick on you for any damn thing and that sounds Why stupid is he right on course but you should know i don't know so here's the thing it's assumed that it's coming from him it could be coming from his secretary it probably is because i we've met the secretary yeah, so probably it's coming from she her she should be it. fired because she can't send out an appropriate communication if it's coming from her she probably... exactly but that's happened more on more than one occasion to be honest with you so you know i just don't know something's going on but they want to get rid of Dr. Pons. I don't know if they're going to be able to because he signed a five-year contract. I love um, We would have to and pay. And he's about that action. I like Dr. Pons too because when we had, they had, a, um, they had uh, this one principal come into a meeting and then play one of those videos <laughs> where they were like, right oh, black parents. He got him right out of there. <laughs> And nobody said a single word, you know, so they just need help. So I, I have to think about how we can get Sora Joy to come to speak with our school and pay her. So I'll, I'll, um, cause I'm, I'm, I'm not on the PTA, but I, I'm a, a paid member for the PTA and I'm starting to go to the meetings more. Cause of course they try to have them at nine 30 when people work. Cause um, they, they all stay at home. Absolutely. That's how they do that. That's how they, but that's how they keep us out. Right. They keep us out by doing slick things. Um, we're going to have the meeting in the morning, right? 
I work. I can't come to that meeting, you know? So um, I got to figure this out because I think it would be beneficial to the school and or the district. So I can also, so Phaedra and I have met a couple of times with Dr. Pons and Dr. Morgan, um, just, you know, from our, our mom's group. And we actually have a meeting with them on the 22nd. So I sure can bring it up because they were talking about um, a professional e introduction because I've worked with him in a professional capacity. Wow. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I, re- I thank you. I remember you did that too. Um, I think I did follow up with him, but they they want speakers to come into our district because they are now all having all schools are having this social justice, you know, committee. It was some gentleman I think that's from South Orange that came in. Doctor something, I'll look at it. He came in and spoke to another school recently about diversity, inclusion, and so on and I so can forth. Send you so some clips. It's I can send you some stuff that I've done. I just did. I do a continual it. training with Patterson, the, one of the charter schools, first of all, because they are overwhelmingly white, and their students are are black and brown and Egyptian, very specifically. You know they so we've been doing some work with them about how to uh, not just diversity mm. work, but inclusion work, because those are two different things. Um, so I have a standing date with them. I do theirs every mm-hmm. three months. Um, and then I've done some other work. I've done um, schools in South Jersey. I've done Kane. I've done stuff for Rutgers. Um, so I've been doing training all through COVID. Like literally, I've been doing. So um, I found Samantha. So I found your principal oh, awesome. on Facebook. Yeah, listen. Let he me doesn't know seem like it. It seems like that she. Yeah, I'm gonna let me check out the cousin. Cause, so she lives in Jersey City. Yeah, she's from Montclair. She lives in Jersey City. Um, oh, she might live in West Orange now because I already looked up to see where her and her husband live. Mm-hmm. So, um, that might be that. He looks like, um, mm-hmm. they okay. So I'm making assumptions, but I believe that she's an independent school kid based on the, her friends list. That's given. Not even just the mutual friends, but the but the mm, fact that a lot of them are white. Have some um, but I do friends. know that she knows um, Jasmine Wright, who um, went to college with me, who's um, her mom was the coach of Columbia's um, basketball team. So I know she's friends with her. Um, and I'm seeing some other people that we have in common, but these are all people mm-hmm. who grew up with money because because uh, uh, Jasmine's dad played pro ball. Um. Yeah, it's the affluence. Mm. Yep. So that's what it is. It's the lack of shared experience, right? With yep, it's a lack of shared experience. But what's so interesting when I I did some Jack and Jill something mm-hmm. the other day, and so one of the moms again, West Indian, didn't know the lyrics to lift everybody. So I'm Ty, and this is V, and this is because I, I said, said so. so.